0: This is the Manga Mavericks Podcast from allcomic.com, episode 78. We are a podcast not only dedicated to talking about manga as a medium, but as an industry. I'm Colton.
1: I'm Lam Ramiasha, and today we're going to talk about a story. My love story, no, not my love story, but the series My Love Story, late for Valentine's Day, but early for White Day, and we'll be joined by Shojo and Tell host Ashley McDonald to discuss the series in its entirety. So look forward to that later in the show, but first off, we've got a bunch of news to talk about.
0: Yeah, and I guess starting off, uh, we're going to start off with our normal uh, monthly book scan list, uh, per, uh, the uh, adult graphic novels list in particular, uh, for for the month of January, I should say. Uh, and right at number one, um, sort of a surprise, because uh, I'm so used to My Hero Academia being at number one at this point, uh, we have uh, volume four of Toyotaro's Dragon Ball Super Manga which I'm guessing from the cover, it covers mostly the uh, the Future Trunks arc, so uh, I don't know if that has anything to do with it. I'm sure that arc is still pretty popular, but... Uh...
1: I'm sure that, I mean, Dragon Ball Super is already quite popular in of itself. We've seen previous volumes rank on the book scan list, and no doubt there's a resurgence of even greater popularity after the phenomenal success of Broly last
0: month. Mm, that's that's also very true. Uh, And at number two, we have uh, Marie Kondo and Yuko Uramoto's The Life-Changing Manga of Tidying Up.
1: No doubt getting a boost in sales thanks to Marie Kondo's Netflix show and all the talk about that that has been going around, positive and negative. It's definitely gotten people to check out more of her books, including her manga.
0: And then, uh, I'm just gonna get this out of the way, uh... We have eight volumes of My Hero Academia, uh, including a volume of Vigilantes, all together on on the list here, Uh, with Volume 1 ranking at number 3, Volume 3 of Vigilantes in particular ranking at number 4, Volume 16 ranking at number 5, Volume 2 at number 7, Volume 15 at number 8, Volume 3 at number 10, 14 at 14... (laughs) (laughs) Of, and volume 4 at number 15. Um and that's pretty much over half the manga on the adult graphic novels list in particular
1: and over a third of the of the comics in the top 20 overall. My Hero is just dominating the market.
0: Uh so yeah, I I mentioned how I'm I'm used to, you know, I'm used to there being a My Hero Academia volume at number 1, but I mean like that still doesn't stop it from taking over most of the list.
1: It still dominates
0: uh as for uh, the other what is it two uh manga on the list we have uh one punch man volume fifteen at number six and of course the first volume of Tokyo ghoul at number nineteen and uh, I think that's I think that's everything manga on that list
1: that indeed it is this is another I, I mean, it's still quite what you would expect from nowadays, besides Kondo's book uh, being shot up to number two thanks to the success of her Netflix show. But yeah, I mean, My Hero continues to do ex- so extremely well. It is the most popular comic book in the market right now. And manga in general is just selling incredibly competitively in the graphic novel market.
0: Sort of related, but not really. Um... And we, we didn't necessarily include it in our um in our news pieces, but um I saw an article the other day talking about how how because of the of the new uh, Battle Angel Alita movie that uh apparently a lot of a lot of the Alita manga uh is being sold out on Amazon.
1: That's great.
0: Yeah, so I, I mentioned that because I'm I'm wondering if we'll see some Alita on the next book scan list.
1: I'd love to see some Alita pop up in the February list, and I'm hoping that turns out to be the case. I hope that the success of the movie encourages more people to read the manga and boost the manga's popularity.
0: Yeah, but uh, I guess we'll just have to wait and see what month brings. Uh, but I guess from there, we'll just move on to some serialization news.
1: That's right. And first, we have news of a series that will be ending soon. Ending in the month of March, and that is Happiness by Shuzo Oshimi. It began in 2015 in Bisatsu Shonen Magazine, and it will end in the next issue of the magazine on March 9th. I've read the first five volumes of the series and really enjoy it. I enjoy Oshimi's work in general. They've also done Flowers of Evil and Inside Mari. And I am very curious to see how it will end and get back into reading it. It is currently being published by Kodansha USA. They recently published the eighth volume last November, and I will definitely uh pick up the series again and read it through to the ending. But speaking of series that are ending, well we this series is not ending anytime soon, but apparently Ikemoto, Mikio Ikimoto, the Mangaka behind Boruto said in an interview with Shueisha's Manga Plus that he hopes to finish the Boruto manga within 30 volumes so as to keep the entire Naruto saga within 100 volumes.
0: How considerate.
1: <laughs> well, I think that is out of E.K. control to do because even if Boruto ends, they will... Make another Naruto series about boruto son, and then after that's done, it'll be about the son of boruto son. You it'll just go on and on. The franchise, like, this is just never going to end. But it's quite interesting to say that Ikemoto hopes to keep this within 30 volumes, because <laughs> the manga has been running for three years now, almost that, and it is about seven eight volumes deep at this point so even if uh, Ikimoto wants to end it at 30 volumes that is still at least another 12 years away I think so you know this series is not ending anytime soon
0: well I mean to be fair you know he says he wants to end it within 33 volume or 30 volumes so it could be less than that
1: could be less than that but yeah I don't expect it to end for another 10 years at the least.
0: But uh, I guess we'll move on from that to... uh see, like, speak. speaking of franchises, they may never end. So uh, in case you're not keeping up with, uh, with Gintama in particular... Um, so Gintama ended its run in Shonen Jump... And basically uh, has been continuing in Jump Giga in particular... And it seemed like the series was going to end it, within that span of issues of Jump Giga uh, being, you know, three issues or whatnot. And uh, you know, I I should have noticed I know I should have noticed something was wrong when like. Uh, it, where like, cause in, in the second issue of Jump Giga, they had an advert where basically Shueisha's like, "Is Gintama really going to end? Is this really the final chapter?" Oh, I don't know, guys. The, we can't control the gorilla at this point. And it turns out that Gintama, the manga, has not concluded in Jump Giga. Uh, and I guess from here, uh, Sirachi is going to be posting new chapters in the free Gintaba manga app from Shueisha. And, um, you know, that, that's basically all we know at this point. Like, I, as far as I know, there's no, like, release schedule planned at this point. I'm, like, you know, just, just as somebody who's actually reading the story, like, the story has to come to an end at some point, because Shueisha still has volume 77 listed as, like, the final volume of Gintama. So... Like, it has to end at some point, but I mean, like, I I mean, I don't know, like, depending on how much longer Sirachi, you know, drags us out, Volume 77 is probably going to be a huge, stacked volume of Gintama. (laughs) Um, So, I mean, I don't know. I'm not really sure what the plan is here at this point. I don't know. I was kind of hoping Gintama would end within that run of Jump Giga, but, I mean, I don't know. I'm... I, at this point, I kind of just want it to end. Wow. I mean, I don't know. Like, like, I still enjoy the story for the most part, you know, despite whatever criticism I may have of the final arc. But at this point, it's like, I don't know. You know, when Shueisha keeps telling you, like, oh yeah, it's definitely gonna end. It's definitely gonna end. Like, I don't know. I, I'm kind of at that point where it's like, the, the joke is becoming less and less funny, and I just i just i just want to see the ending of the manga i just want to see how it ends at this point
1: fair enough oh how the mighty series have fallen if fans are so frustrated with
0: it oh oh yeah like I, i'm not the only one who's frustrated with this like i you know i'm not to get too into it but like i i know a lot of people who have like kind of fallen out of gintama unfortunately Not even just due to this, but because, like, you know, they weren't very happy with where the final arc went and everything. But, I mean, again, there's no, like, one consensus on, like, what went wrong or anything. It's, I don't know. It's 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 not a cut-and-dry thing. Like, a lot of people have a lot of different opinions. Personally, I still love the series, and I'm going to continue to love it probably forever. But... Again, I'm just kind of at that point where it's like, I I really just want to see how it ends, and I'm a little frustrated that Sirachi still hasn't really come up with anything, it seems like.
1: Hmm. Well, hopefully it does have a good ending that is satisfying to fans, even though it has been dragging its feet and left them blue ball for so long. Those silver balls have turned blue. Oh, how they've lost their shine and luster.
0: <laughs> um, I shout out to Grant. Uh, we've mentioned him on the podcast before. I think he made a tweet about how uh this entire like stunt where Gintama just refuses to end as like meta commentary on how Shonen and series just kind of go on and on. <laughs> <laughs> Which you know what now, now that he said it, I I want to believe it's true. I want to believe that's that's like been the plan all along and. That yeah, Serachi has a uh, plan for there to be no planned ending, but I feel like that's also giving him too much credit. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, when Gintama ends, nobody really knows at this point. But I'm I'm still I'm still gonna stick with it because I love it that much.
1: Good to be loyal. Uh, hopefully, Serachi rewards you for that loyalty. As for me, I will wait until the series ends for real until I fi- finish reading it. So I do not get frustrated by waiting for chapters.
0: Honestly, you're better off for it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I I, I think the anime feels the same way at this point. Um,
1: Yep. Speaking of... Oh, well, now we're talking about a new manga after finally talking about manga that are ending or refusing to end. Something new recently popped up in Manga Plus. Didn't it, Colton?
0: Yep. A new series has popped up in Manga Plus. Um, I was gonna say, at this point, it's It's still new, but uh, I think there are three chapters of it at this point. Uh, Katsutoshi Murase has launched a new manga on on, uh, Jump Plus, therefore the Manga Plus app, called Arata Primal, The New Primitive, which... uh, I guess just to kind of read the synopsis uh the key to save the world is in the primeval period uh connecting the present and past burning passion opens up the future a primeval survival mystery that passes through time and civilization um so like so basically yeah you can you can read the first three chapters of this for free on the manga plus app right now and um I, I want to talk about the series a bit more, but I think we will save whatever thoughts we have on the series so far uh, for our next episode, actually, because uh, I think we can say that hopefully on our next episode, we're going to be talking about the Manga Plus app in general and just kind of talking about, you know, all pretty much all the new series uh, that are in English thanks to this app and kind of like what it, what the differences are between that and like... You know, Viz's Shonen Jump app, because I know there's been, like, some some confusion on that front lately and whatnot. Some people legitimately don't know that the Manga app, uh, Manga Plus app still exists. Uh, so, you know, I, I think it might be good to talk about it next time just to kind of get the word out there, because honestly... Um, there's a lot of really cool series on that app that I think a lot of people should be checking out.
1: Mm -hmm. If you don't have it already, you definitely should download it on your phone or check it out on the browser because there's a lot of great content on there that I'm going to be really excited to talk about next week. But I think that about does it for series that are ending, refusing to end, or starting. But now let us talk about licenses and let's start with a license update of a series that refuses to be released
0: <laughs> yep
1: for four years we've been waiting for the rose of a size so ever since you on first Announced they license date. And I was so excited. We were like, yay, finally, Rosa resides in English. But there have been different translators who've worked on it over the past few years. They said that 80% of the series was complete in January last year. They promised that we would be shown covers at San Diego Comic-Con 2018. And that was in July. And nothing since then. Radio silence. Social media silence. And so no one knows what's happening. But recently, the OASG reached out to Don, and they confirmed that yes, Rosa Resize, as well as Sugar Sugar Rune by Mikoyana, which they have also licensed, are still in the works. And they are hoping to have the first volumes ready for publication this year, according to Mega Maiden Marketing and Social Media Manager at Udon. And uh, they promised that once they have details, it's an updated cover, they will send out an updated press release. And as for Sugar Sugar Rude, they also mentioned that they're doing complete remastering. So they're re-scanning all the pages from Mokoyo Sensei's archive and the gathering materials is taking time. So that is still in the production stages. But yes, so the update... Is that they're still working on it. They're promising that this year's finally the year. But like George R.R. R. Martin and the remaining <sighs> Song of Ice and Fire books. That remains to be seen. Whether this year will become the next year. And then the next year after that. And maybe it'll never come at all.
0: <sighs> Boy, I feel very sorry for anyone who was looking forward to this release because man I cannot imagine uh we, we, I mean, speaking of blue balls earlier I mean I <laughs> I, I I I can't even imagine <laughs> uh.
1: Let Oscar come on <laughs> Let him <her> come
0: <laughs> Oh wow okay so we're just going to move on from that I don't think there's too much else to say about that
1: yeah let's talk about publishers who are actually giving us manga at regular intervals and we can rely on
0: yes yeah, so uh, we have some new digital firsts from Kodansha comics and uh, short short disclosure um, all of these should be out at this point we're, we're a little late on these but I we still thought it was worth mentioning uh, some of the new titles that have come out uh, from Kodansha over the past month here Uh, The first of which is an English release of The Tale of Genji, uh, Dreams at Dawn, by Waki Yamamoto. Which, I don't know much about The Tale of Genji other than I believe this is a manga adaptation of a very old novel. And uh, it looks like uh, the first three volumes, actually by the time this uh, episode is out... Uh, will have already been released on February 26th, with new volumes coming monthly thereafter.
1: This is a really cool release because this is a classic manga from the late 70s, 1979 it was published, and it continues to realization until the 90s. So it's 10 volumes total. And I'm also really looking forward to reading this because it's by Waki Yamamoto, the mangaka behind Haikara Gatoru, or otherwise known as Here Comes Miss Modern which I've seen the anime film adaptation uh, that was recently made of it, the theatrical films, and I really liked the, the story of that series, and I would really like to check out the older anime manga, and until then, I think uh, I'm definitely interested in seeing more of the author's work, so definitely going to give Tale of Genji a read.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd be interested in checking this out, too. I'm, I, I'm just interested in, like... Older manga in general. So yeah, definitely putting this on my list here. But uh as for the other two titles, uh we have My Sweet Girl from Rumi Ichinohe, which at this point again is already premiered, or I guess been uploaded, uh, with new volumes uh to come out monthly until uh they're caught up to Japan. And uh, as the summary reads, this sweet, pure love story is about a girl who never imagined falling in love until one day she meets a boy from the next class. Uh, This one's dedicated to all the girls who find things a little bit awkward when it comes to romance. So I imagine this is uh, a pretty uh, uh, diabetes inducing uh, love story that uh, is uh, I'm sure is very cute and I I would give it a try. And then uh, last but not least, we have World's End and Apricot Jam uh, from Rila Kirishima. Again, the first volume of this has already been put up this past February 19th, uh, with new volumes coming monthly, uh, in which the synopsis reads, Music and romance collide in Rila Kirishima's off-kilter comedy about a building manager who has a run-in with a burning tenant uh, who turns out to be the lead singer of a super cool band. Oh, wait, right, I'm sorry. I read uh, bumbling. I don't know. I misread that as burning. I was about to say. um, <laughs>
1: yeah, he doesn't look on fire to me, unless you're talking about in a metaphorical sense.
0: Yeah, unless we're talking about how how hot he is. Um, but I don't know. Um, I've I've seen I've seen this kind of posted around already, and uh, you know it looks cute. I definitely really like the cover. I just I, I really like the co- uh, the colors used in particular. It's just it's very soothing looking.
1: Lots of nice pink and blues.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think this is just a, a good assortment of, I'm assuming, all shoujo manga.
1: Yeah. I think that these are these sound like a lot, very appealing collection of licenses, and definitely I'm quite interested in Tale of because I'm, I'm interested to check out more of Waki Yamamoto's works, but I think all of these stories sound like things I would quite enjoy.
0: Mm, yeah, these are all things I would definitely check out for sure. But I guess we'll move on from uh from Kadansha to Seven Cs, um which again, Seven Cs has only uh I guess since our last episode has only licensed uh, one new title, which is pretty surprising.
1: Yay, just a tiny splash instead of a tidal wave this time. I can <laughs> deal with it.
0: yeah I can, I can deal with a little splashing uh so Seven Seas uh, announced recently that they have licensed Uzaki Chan wants to hang out from Take. And that uh, they plan to release the series both uh, in print and digital beginning on September 17th, uh, in which the synopsis reads, uh, Sakurai Shinichi's one wish is for a little peace and quiet, but Uzaki Hana, his boisterous, well-endowed Glenderclassman, has other plans. All she wants to do is hang out and poke fun of him. Uh, with the help of her chipper charm and peppy persistence, this might be just the start of a beautiful relationship. Uh so that's uh you know if if you look at the uh the front cover of the first volume uh you will notice that uh the synopsis does not lie uh I, that's all I'll say um i'm i'm hoping this is uh this is a you know a nice cute little comedy and that the series doesn't just solely rely on like you know at least as far as the humor goes like doesn't solely rely on like hey it's a series about this girl with really huge breasts or whatever
1: the text on her shirt reads "Segoi de kai," which means "awesomely big." Wow.
0: <laughs> oh boy. Um, well, I'm 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 hoping it's cute at least.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm very of a bunch of typical anime manga boob joke humor, which is tiresome and tedious, but, you know, it could be a fun time. I will read it for myself and then see.
0: Yeah, exactly. And then, after that, we're going to move on to Dark Horse, of all things. Uh, So, Dark Horse Comics has uh, confirmed with Anime News Network recently that uh, they have licensed uh, Miss Koizumi Loves Ramen Noodles from Naru Narumi, uh, which I believe has an anime at this point. Um, Yep. And uh, Dark Horse Comics uh, did not confirm a release date for the first volume, uh, but it seems that, according to Amazon, uh, the first volume will be coming out on September 24th. Um, But you never know. That could possibly change. You never know. And uh, yeah, as the synopsis reads, uh, let cool, mysterious high school student Miss Koizumi and her girlfriends uh, show you around the authentic ramen culture of everyday Japan in this fun food manga. Uh, The noodles, the toppings, the broth, the street stalls, restaurants and home cooking and yes cup ramen too you'll slurp down a whole new knowledge of Japan's greatest fast food that even many Japanese people don't know but miss koizumi does uh so uh, as you may have gathered it's a food manga all about ramen so if you love ramen you're I'm sure you're in for a treat um just a few more things about this release here from dark Horse and that uh their manga editor Carl horn. Uh, noted that this series is uh, Dark Horse Comics' first food manga. Uh, And he also added that Ayumi Kato Bilestone, who is a Portland-based Japanese chef, is going to be translating the manga. And uh, the company is, quote-unquote, interested in the nuances of Japanese ramen culture, including its social aspects. And that... Uh, the manga will also contain a bonus feature that will de- that will detail ramen shops and food carts in local areas, including Portland, uh, where Dark Horse Comics is based. So I I appreciate that they're going. It seems like they're really going all out for this release in particular.
1: Yeah, they're putting a lot of love into it, and that makes me very keen to check it out when it gets released.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll I'll definitely check this out. I I had seen the anime around, but like I don't know I. Not that I wasn't like uninterested in it, but like it wasn't something that I thought, oh yeah, I gotta get to this like right now or whatever. Um but I mean I don't know, now now that I've seen how much work Dark Horse is putting into this, like, really makes me feel like I should check this out.
1: Yeah, I like manga about people enjoying good food, and this sounds like another cute entry into that canon works, and I definitely will check it out when it gets released.
0: One thing's for sure, it just makes me hungry for ramen. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah but i mean speaking of hunger and thirstiness a visit sublime <coughs> has announced a new boys love license they've licensed tanaka Ogeretsu's Yachirin bitch club known originally as Yachirin bitch boo and they're gonna release that starting in november both print and digitally it's about a boy transferred to a private boarding school deep in the mountains He meets his first and only friend but he's bad in sports so he doesn't join the soccer club with the friend but he instead joins what he thinks is a photography club but is actually called the playboy bitch club which is filled with many colorful and interesting upperclassmen and he gets confessed to by another boy who joins at the same time as him, but he's very embarrassed around him, so it's a cute, awkward romance between these two as they're in this playboy bitch club, whatever that is. Is it like a host club? We, I guess you'll have to read to find out.
0: Uh, yeah, so this is interesting, to say the least.
1: Yeah. I guess it's like Oron if Haruhi was a man and actually interested in romance. But yeah, that will be out in November. But this has also licensed a lot of other new manga. Oh, yeah. And... To start off, they have licensed something that has been heavily anticipated and gotten a lot of buzz on social media already. Kosuke Ono's The Way of the House Husband, known in Japanese as Goku Shufudo, which is about a retired Yakuza member known as Tatsu living out his post-crime career as a house husband. He still gets into trouble from time to time, except now it's in a grocery aisle instead of a back alley.
0: Oh yeah, I've seen a lot of people post about this for what feels like over the past year at this point. And yeah, from, from the little I've seen of it, it's it's pretty funny, and I want to read it really badly.
1: They've also licensed Tayo Matamoto's Cats of the Louvre, which is about a about the Louvre Museum, which contains more than the famous works of art. Uh, because within the harrowed halls lies an unseen surreal world that only a family of French felines can see. So, fun times at the Louvre with cats courtesy of Tayo Yamamoto. They've also licensed Tazuku Karasuma's No Guns Life, about a guy who has no his previous life, or who replaced with his head, with a giant gun! And now he scratches out a living in the dark streets of the city as a resolver with his gun, head, and his hands, are rolls to guns. Every part of him seems to be a gun.
0: Yeah, this is 100% my shit and I need this now.
1: <laughs> and finally, Viz has also licensed Luvis and Luvis EST, the sequel, which is a, about a mechanical martial arts arena with cyber augmented fighters who transmute their bodies into brutal killing machines for fame and fortune. So, all these series are going to be coming out by Viz Media sometime this year. No release date set yet, though Viz will also be putting out an Assassination Classroom box set with all 21 volumes of the manga, including a poster and mini art book this fall.
0: Hmm, man. I guess it's a good thing that I don't have a lot of Assassination Classroom, because... Uh, now I can get this box set.
1: Yes, I have already bought all of Assassin's Classroom, so I probably will not pick this up. But I'm definitely encouraging everyone who hasn't yet to buy the box set, read that series because it's a great series.
0: Yeah, um, I'm glad it, I'm glad it's getting a box set because that also means that it's you know it's done very well for Viz at this point. I'm assuming.
1: Oh yeah, they only put out box sets or omnibuses for stuff that are repeat sellers so definitely that's a sign that classroom is one of those to viz mm-hmm. but also coming out this fall is another junji ito manga no longer human his adaptation of the osamu dazai classic novel and that's basically all well, there is to say about that it's coming out in the fall it Wiz a pretty recent manga from Too. It ran, ran from 2017 to 2018. And yeah, uh, Wiz continues their trend of releasing more new Ito manga, which is very good. And there's a lot of other things to be excited for if you're a Junji Ito fan this year.
0: Oh yeah, so speaking of Junji Ito, uh, he is going to be a guest at the Toronto Comics Arts Festival, or TCAF, Uh... <laughs> And it looks like that's going to be taking place from uh, May 11th to May 12th in Toronto, Ontario, in Canada. Uh, So, if you want to see Junji Ito and you're in Canada, now you have the chance.
1: Uh, It's really exciting for Canadian Junji Ito fans. And heck, anyone who wants to see Junji Ito, don't miss their chance. Head up to Toronto to see Ito in
0: person. Yeah, you got uh, got the Crunchyroll Expo, and then you got got, uh, TCAF, so... There you go, you got. I
1: mean TK comes before Control Expo, so you got two chances this year. You got May and August. So definitely don't pass them up. And now let's talk about some copyright related things, because the Japanese government, the subcommittee of Japan's Council of Cultural Affairs, has agreed to create comprehensive laws banning the practice of knowingly downloading all illegal media from the internet. Now, immediately, you can see some problems with this because that will restrict a lot of freedoms from a lot of people, but they have already announced that they had plans to propose laws and penal sentences against downloading manga, magazines, novels, essays, photographs, because current laws only punish the consumer of pirate media in cases where the media in question is music or video. So these proposed revisions expand the current laws. And so they delineated the scope of these revisions to say that downloading anime images, illustrations, photographs that have been illegally posted to personal blogs and Twitter accounts would be illegal, as would be copying and pasting song lyrics, so the laws would not be do- limited to directly downloading the images themselves, taking screenshots of illegally uploaded media would also be against the new laws. So the subcommittee has acknowledged difficulty enforcing these laws as they would target acts that are part of many people's daily lives. Uh, so the meeting calls to limit enforcement to cases where the need is high to fend off piracy. These cases may include those where the entire manuscript is downloaded where someone is guilty of repeated offenses, or, when real harm is done to the copyright holder, the agency Cultural Affairs is going to continue to narrow down requirements. And, of course, they're also going to target lead sites that aggregate and provide hyperlinks to pirated media. So, they're proposing these provisions to the open session of the Japanese Diet. And if approved, these revisions could take effect next year at the earliest. And the penalty under these revisions could be up to two years prison time or 2 million yen, which is about 17,740 U.S. dollars fine. So obviously with these uh, proposed copyright law reforms, there are immediately a whole lot of problems that you can see that violate what in at least... Our Western culture, at least in the US, what we believe to be free use. So that would be usage of just images or uh, music clips or stuff for transformative effects. So, under these new laws, like you couldn't be a YouTuber in Japan, or you couldn't use like uh, media clips. You couldn't use pictures from TV shows or manga at all. You can't take screenshots anymore. So like all those manga trends you do on Twitter, Colton, you can't do those in Japan because you can't take screenshots.
0: Oof, of yeah. Media.
1: So obviously people are like, wait a minute. This is a problematic. A lot of manga readers are speaking up and saying, uh, who asked for this? This is not what we want. And we say, we want to stop piracy because this can be taken to extremes. One such creator is Nogame Kantebo Creator, Tomoko Ninomiya who posted a tweet saying like, who asked for this? And then when another Twitter uh, user responded saying, hey, they've not defined specific terms, and Ninomiya's like, well, something so vague shouldn't pass because, again, yes, again, uh, this can be easily exploited. Like any behavior at all using uh, media or things that you cannot, you did not personally create Can be punished and penalized, and that can be exploded to a very damaging degree. And it's not helpful in stopping piracy. Just stop, uh, like, not stopping people from taking screenshots is not going to stop the problem of piracy, so this is completely misguided. And yeah, so, you know, publishers like Kodansha have supported this motion, but the mangaka themselves are not necessarily. Into that, like, Adachi USA has supported this movement, but Nino Miyas like, well, I know this, but I'm I'm not talking. I'm talking about the part not stated here, which I have a problem with. And then King Atsumatsu, creator of Love Hina Negima, has also shared multiple uh, articles on this subject and dissected the implications of the law. And he has stated that this law is going to make Japan into a country where it will be very easy to pester and bother people with the threat of being arrested, because any. Uh, you can't make memes anymore. Again, like you can't do. You won't have any free use uh, ability under these new laws if they are passed.
0: Yeah, that I don't know. It. I mean, uh, I'm again. I'm I'm all for for less manga piracy, but you know, the this the this 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 seems a, just a little extreme.
1: Yeah, uh, as pointed out by the creator of Kasei no Uta, uh, Keiko Takemiya. Uh, If this law passes, I fear it will cause fan activities to vitter and the relationship between manga artists and their fans will diminish because, again, uh, you can't share panels from the manga you like on Twitter anymore. You can't, like, post uh, that uh, to your fans and, like, uh, you can't have them, like, uh, share stuff they like with their followers and then encourage people to, like, check out the series. All the great work Casey does in getting people to check out cool manga you know, like Delicious and Dungeon and Golden Comedy and stuff. Nope, that, he can't, can't do that in Japan because he'd get arrested under these new laws. Oh so, boy. This would only hurt uh, creators' abilities to reach out to their fans and their, their fans' abilities to uh, bring more people into the fandom and check out the series they like. And it just is not a uh, very well-taught-out plan for stopping piracy it will only i it will only have an adverse effect on people's freedom to express themselves creatively
0: oh boy i don't even i don't even want to think about like how much uh figurative money i owe japan (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah um i guess we'll just have to wait and see how this how this pans out i mean again it's kind of unfortunate because you know again i i want there to be less piracy but this is obviously not the way to do it
1: nope this is not tackling the problem uh, of like entire works being uploaded illegally like screenshots pictures clips used remote and encourage discussion targeting that stuff is only going to have a detrimental effect
0: pretty much yeah uh but i guess as soon as we have any kind of updates on the story we'll, we'll definitely let you know so we'll, we'll, we'll keep, we'll keep an eye out for this.
1: But now we're going to wrap up with some anime adaptation news.
0: Oh yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm really, I'm really excited for, uh, for both of these series. Uh, one of them in particular, it was announced a little while ago at this point that, uh, actually, I believe through Ketashidahara and, uh, the respective, uh, Twitter account for this new adaptation that, uh, Astro Lost in Space is getting an anime this year. And uh, yeah, I believe there are some staff credits out there. Um, Actually, yeah, right here. Uh, The anime in particular will be animated at, uh, will be produced by Lurch and directed by Masaomi Ando, who is uh, credited with such series such as School Live and Scum's Wish and whatnot. Uh, We also have Norimitsu Kaiho, uh, who is in charge of the series' scripts. Again, School Live, Gunslinger Stratos, and whatnot. And uh, Keiko Kurosawa is the character designer for the series. Uh, so, again, a lot of people from Scum's Wish in particular are working on this uh, series, it seems. Uh, and uh, just judging by like the, the promotional art alone, um, I think it looks pretty good.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is a good key visual. The character designs seem really good. And... I am just excited for more people to discover Astral Lost in Space through the anime adaptation and the potential reach that could have.
0: Oh boy, yeah. Um, honestly, like I knew there were a lot of people who really wanted, you know, an Astral Lost in Space anime, uh, especially amongst our circles. Uh, and uh, you know, I never thought it would happen, but it did, or it's going to anyway. So I'm definitely going to be watching this uh, day one. So yeah, I, I mean, I mean, thankfully, like I'm hoping that, like you know, they'll be able to do the entire series. Maybe not in like one core, but maybe like two, because like you know, the series is like super dense, and I think maybe they, it could fill out too. But yeah, uh, I just there's not really much else to say about it other than I, I just I can't wait, and I can't wait to watch this. But uh, I guess moving on from that, B Stars is getting an anime as well, and uh, so. We, we don't know a lot about that series just yet, other than it's apparently going to be animated by CG anime studio Orange, uh, who are credited with uh, producing uh, Land of the Lustrous and Dimension W. And uh, I don't know if you've, um, have, have you seen the, um, the commercial for the anime yet?
1: I have, it looks quite good. I like the designs, I like how it looks in motion. I think it's, it looks really great.
0: I was a little skeptical at first when I heard it was going to be in CG but after seeing the the trailer I feel a little better about it like it still looks pretty good and I mean if it's if it's being produced by people who were behind Land of Lustrous like I I know that adaptation in particular is is very like highly praised for for its uh, for its CG animation so I I think we're in good hands um at the very least this looks 100 times better than the Kengen Ashura anime that we're getting on Netflix soon. <laughs> <laughs> like, wow. Uh, like, like th- this this and that are like both night and day, almost. Um, but no, yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to watching Beastars, as well as uh, covering it on the show uh, when the first volume of that comes out uh, this year. So, I'm just looking forward to finally getting into Beastars this year.
1: As am I. And... Finally, we're going to wrap. Before we talk about my love story, let's talk about another love story. Your Name. We reported a while ago that it is getting a Hollywood adaptation, a live-action adaptation. And now we have some new details on who will be in charge of it. Mark Webb is directing it. And he is known for directing the Amazing Spider-Man films. uh, But also some romance films like 500 Days of Summer. Uh, but what's also caught people's eyes and caused a lot of discourse is the premise of this adaptation's plot. Which is, a young Native American woman living in a rural area and a young man from Chicago discover they are magically and intermittently swapping bodies. And when the disaster threatens to append their lives, they must drain to meet and save the world. And now, immediately, everyone was like, what? A young Native American woman? Is that as Going to be your analog your point of comparison to the Shinto uh mythology of uh your name and is that that's gonna that you think that's angulous and wow you're just gonna use native a spirituality of Native American religions uh and oh just you know oh just as a means to facilitate the magic of the body switching in this film so it's got a lot of people skeptical and a lot of people uh, are not really up for it especially since like the screenwriters is not Native American and all that and you know, so uh, There's a lot of concerns about how those elements are going to be portrayed. It definitely has me very skeptical I find it very curious why her ethnicity is pointed out and not the ethnicity of the man. Does that imply that the man's the def- race is white. White is default. What the hell? Uh, so a lot of things to uh, raise an eyebrow out uh, at, like uh, how this film will be handled. Uh, after all the great that Alita has done for anime adaptation for live action adaptations of anime by Hollywood, will your name tear it all down? We will see. But instead of talking about. The tragedy of a failed love story. Let's talk about the successes of an amazing love story. Kazune Kahar Aruko my love story. Oh, there's so much to love about that story. And let's talk about it. And open our hearts and minds. <laughs>
0: key made in look at a night you inside
1: Valentine's Day may be over, but love is in the air oh, Manga Mavericks but most especially today because today we're going to talk about a story my love story no not my love story as in me and my love story but the series called my love story or in Japanese Ore Monogatari Written by Kazune Kawahara, creator of High School Debut in Aos Real, with art by Aruko artist of Akisaka and First Love, among other series. We are talking about my love story today, and finally, folks, we're talking about this series after two years! Since episode 17, aptly titled, We Need to Read More Shoujo Manga, in which we promised we would read My Love Story. Finally, 60 episodes later, we are talking about My Love Story, the first shoujo manga we're talking about on Manga Mavericks. And who better to invite on for this auspicious occasion than the host of the Shoujo Manga Podcast, Shoujo Antel, Ashley McDonald!
2: Hello. I I don't I can't follow up that great intro. <laughs> it's
0: okay. it's okay most people can.
2: <laughs> I would say also on my podcast, I have in the description that we cover contemporary things like my love story and I have also not done it and it's been over a year. So, we're in the same we're kind of in the same boat here.
1: Finally, together we can cross it off both our podcast's
0: bucket list.
2: I know. We're finally doing it. Yay. I was, I
0: was going to say good. I I so I, I don't feel as bad now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right <laughs> exactly but yes my love story is a series that's been a long time coming for us to discuss on both of our shows I think because it's a series I think all three of us really adore
2: I adore it now I hadn't actually read it before I'd only watched the anime
1: <laughs> mm. whoa really
2: oh, I know
1: mind blown I think we'll go into our histories of my love story in a little bit, but first, a little more background on the series. As mentioned before, it is written by Kasune Kawahara and with art by Iruko. It was published in Bazatsu Margaret from October 2011 to July 2016, though it debuted as a 100-page special in Basatsu Margaret's sister first before moving into regular Basatsu Margaret. The Viz release of the manga ran from about July 2014 to September twenty 20- twenty. 17. And as mentioned before, the series did inspire a 24 episode anime that came out in April of 2015 and ended in September of 2015, which covered about the first nine and a half volumes of the series. There was also a live action film that same year that came out on October 31st, 2015, which from my understanding is most, it takes inspiration from the manga, but doesn't necessarily adapt any particular art like Completely straight, and it comes up with its own original ending. I have not watched a live action movie, but I have heard it's quite good.
0: Hmm. I wouldn't mind watching it sometime.
1: And the premise of the series is about this student called uh, Takio goda who is this big, tall, muscular guy who, because he is so big and tall and muscular, that like people mistaken for an adult always. But he's also not. Because he's not conventionally like a pretty boy, he's not particularly popular with the ladies. In fact, oftentimes, girls are badmounting him behind his back. Girls that he's been in love with and interested in turn out to have very low opinion of him. But luckily, he has a great best friend who is the object of admiration and affection for many ladies called Tsunekawa who stakes up for him and lets him know what people are really thinking about him and is basically his best friend in the whole wide world who's looking out for him. One day, Takio notices a young girl being groped on train, and he intercedes and stops him, and afterwards, that girl falls in love with him. And at first, Takio doesn't realize that she's fallen in love with him, and he thinks that she's in love with his best friend, Sunakawa, like all the girls he's interested in have been. But over a series of misunderstandings, finally, the truth comes out that Yamato the girl does love Takio. their feelings are mutual and they begin dating and the series from there is an exploration of their relationship through their high school years as well as relationship between Takio and Sunakawa and their friendship and that is basically the premise in a nutshell
2: yeah no that, that short story the like first two chapters basically of the manga are pretty much perfect so it's fine
1: <laughs> no big deal Yeah, it's an amazing. I think it's an amazing pilot chapter. Uh, I mean, I believe that those first two chapters were run together as a a 100 page pilot when the series first debuted. And it is like a great self contained story. It's very interesting because while the series does focus a lot on the relationship between Takio and Rinko, the first chapter, the central relationship that's focused on, is truly between Takio and Tsunikawa. And it's really how about these characters are looking out for each other and how they care about the happiness of their friend and that's really the emotional climax of that first chapter is Takio is relating their friendship to the story of the blue ogre and red ogre and how the blue ogre sacrifices his own personal happiness for his friend the red ogre's happiness and Takio is like oh blue, the uh, red ogre the blue ogre is just too kind And it's such a sad story, but Tsunekawa sees it differently. is like, well, of course you would do that. Who wouldn't want to see their best friend happy? And that, ultimately, that climax of the chapter is, like, reflecting on why are we friends when we're so, like, from outwardly we seem so totally different. Well, it's more than just the fact that we're childhood friends and neighbors. There's definitely a deeper connection between us. We are truly close in a special way. And I think that's, I think the friendship between Takio and Sinigawa is just as important as, that, as the relationship between him and Rinko throughout the series.
2: Oh, I mean, yeah, the true love story is between Sunakawa and Takio. Let's be real here. <laughs> I, I, <laughs>
0: like, I was, was going to say the same thing. <laughs> yeah,
1: like, let's be very clear. That's the real my love story. <laughs> I think we see them kiss just as many times as Takio <laughs> Right? And that's,
2: that's true. <laughs> like, oh, my goodness. Jesus.
1: <laughs> so I, let's dive in now to how we first discovered the series or heard about the series. Would you like to go first, Ashley?
2: Sure. I mean, again, as I mentioned, I actually watched the anime first. Uh, I guess it actually only came on my radar when the anime came out, and people were like, it's so, it's subversive of shoujo. And I watched the anime, and I was like, yeah, I get it. Like, it is subversive of shoujo, but I didn't feel that much watching the anime. I was kind of like, eh, whatever. Uh, And then I actually went and read High School Debut, Kawahara's other series, and based on just the anime of my love story versus that, I actually liked High School Debut better. Uh, there were things between that friendship that remind me a lot of my high school years that I was like, oh, I, I think this is really dope. And I think that that series is much more of a stereotypical shojo, but like lightly subverts some things that I was like, oh, I'm I dig this like this is fine. Uh, yeah. And then I was like, no, but I should read the manga of my love story. Obviously, <laughs> uh, I have a shojo manga podcast. That's like a thing I should do. Uh, so you you all finally made me read it, and I was like, oh, no, this is much better as a manga. <laughs> the the pacing that you can do as a reader is much better. Also, you know, the anime only gets through the first nine volumes. I guess it's nice to be like, oh, it's a completed story here. You only had three and a half more volumes to go, anime. What's up? Why didn't you just do it? What's up? I don't understand anime sometimes. That's fine.
1: Yeah, it's truly a shame they did not make another season to adapt the rest of the story.
2: I know. It's so close. I just don't understand. Whatever.
0: I mean, granted, I think, um, I don't think the manga had ended at the time, but I mean, I, It know. didn't. But I mean, now, now I that mean, it's over, I mean, I
1: for another year, but yeah, I mean, now that yeah. you would think that afterwards that they would put another season. I was going to
0: say, yeah, now that it's over, I mean, I, I don't know if the anime just didn't do very well or if the, if it didn't do well enough to warrant another season, but I mean, I don't know. I would, I would at least like another like 12 episodes, maybe
2: yeah like i think it just needs another core right
1: (laughs) i would think so yeah that would be that would have been enough
0: but for
1: whatever reason madhouse did not decide to pursue another season but i mean that's what we have the manga for with the manga we can read through to the complete ending and like ashley said in many ways the manga is a better experience
2: Yeah, I I definitely think it's a better experience. I mean, it's like nothing about that animation or like, I don't remember any of the music. Like, don't come at me, people, if you really love the anime. Like, that's fine. But it's just like, (laughs) I was like, I don't, nothing was added by the anime to me. Things were only added by the manga.
1: I will say things that I really like about the anime is I like the color palette. And also I will disagree on the OSD because I do think there are quite a few memorable tracks. Particularly the opening and ending themes are still ingrained in my mind, even though it's been four years since I've seen the anime. So yeah, I feel there's some memorable tracks in there.
2: Maybe my brain is just bad. I don't know. I don't remember
0: anything. Fun fact, I, I listen to the ending theme of like on loop a lot while reading the manga. So because I just I I really liked like the, the song. Mood. Yeah. Nice. Yeah.
1: I mean there there are good songs in there I
0: think.
2: Okay, I should have augmented my manga reading experience with the <laughs> OST. I see. That that could be a strategy.
0: <laughs> I mean if it helps like I I hate to say it I actually don't really remember a lot of the actual like background music from the show at all honestly. I'd I'd have to watch the show again, but I don't know. I I like the anime myself, but again it's it's still that thing where it's like, "Oh, I really wish it would complete the story." <laughs> yeah i know
2: anime in particular is like they never complete the story they're like i don't know we did like a third this one's good it got through most of it i guess
0: you got an anime how much more do you want
2: yeah how much more do you want (laughs) getting the anime is really the key here like that's that's as far as we're going i'm like all right
1: Maybe people will rem- remember the series fondly enough that 10 years down the line, they'll make a new My Love Story anime that does cover the whole story, like with Fruits Basket.
2: Yeah, they're, they're going to Fruits Basket this? Maybe. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but Colton, how did you get into the series?
0: Mm, yeah, my, uh, my story is not that special. I just... I don't, it, it, my Love Story was just one of those things that like I had seen people talk about before it got licensed, before it ever got an anime... And I remember people going on about how subversive it is. And, you know, just, just from like the, like, I guess the volume covers alone had me really interested.
2: <laughs> they are good.
0: Cause, uh, I, and I think I was talking a little bit about this on Twitter where I don't agree with the way Viz, I guess, re edited the, uh, the covers for volumes one and two in particular because the, the original Japanese covers have Tokyo pretty prominently or at the very least, like, you know, they have him placed in a way where it's like you could tell like he's the main character whereas the viz volumes kind of put uh, at least for volumes one and two they do place both uh sunakawa and yamato both pretty prominently and you just kind of have takio in the background which i think is kind of unfortunate but uh that's just me in particular um but no, yeah, uh, it's just one of those things I kind of saw around, and I, I want to, I think, because um, I remember Viz actually when, um, when they still ran their weekly show and jump, they, I think they ran a preview of My Love Story in the Viz Show and Jump, and I remember reading that. That indeed they did. Um, and I also read the because uh, I know um My Love Story did crossovers with Nisekoi at the time too. Uh, So I remember reading those and thought those were kind of cute. And I was like, okay, I got to read this sometime. Uh, But then I think like a year later or something, the anime got announced and I was like, okay, cool, I'll watch this. And uh, I tried watching it week to week. And it was just one of those things where it's like, I forget to watch one week and I just never watch it again. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I did eventually get around to watching all of it. I basically marathon like the rest of the second half of the anime and from there i was like man i really love the series i need to get to reading it sometime uh and then i guess like two years later i i I mean i finally read the manga for this podcast and you know like Lum mentioned earlier yeah i i love this manga like it's it's really good
1: It is. it's really good (laughs) (laughs) excellent and so to go over my history I also started with the manga shortly after Wiz had licensed the series and I heard a lot of buzz about it. I think the idea that it is a subversive shoujo story is interesting to kind of dissect and so I think we should discuss that a little bit later. But that was also one of the selling points uh, when I first heard about it and heard it being discussed that made me curious to check it out. And I was in, uh, instantly smitten with just the characterization of Takio and the friendship between him and Tsunikawa, and just how charmingly sweet the love story between Takio and Rinko was. And so, I, after I caught up on the Viz release of what they had out at that time, which, in the fall of 2014, probably was only about the first volume, maybe the first two volumes, I definitely did, because I still did this at the time, seek out the unofficial translations and read through whatever was available of those, which, when I was rereading the series, I definitely think it was was actually quite a ways in, and must have been, because I also remember this from watching the anime— that because i had, i knew the story for what was covered in a long portion of the anime until the very end uh definitely before the Ichinose stuff at the very end of the anime so i must have read like the first set of uh, what was equivalent to the first seven or eight volumes worth of the manga before the anime came out and then afterwards i didn't after the anime came out i didn't revisit the manga Though so I had kept up with purchases of the Viz release until it ended. But yeah, so this is my first time since 2015, I guess, that I revisited the st- the manga of my love story and read it through to the conclusion. Even though I've had like the, the last couple volumes sitting on my shelf for like two years at this point. That's since Viz finished it. But yeah, I mean... That's the story with a lot of the manga I got by. I got by him and then they sit on my shelf for a while.
0: <laughs> but yeah. Uh, I know that feeling.
1: But yeah, like I do really love the series. And I I think watching the anime for me was a great experience because I watched it with V Lord pretty much beginning to end. And we both had a lot of fun with it. And it was fun watching with him because I knew the story, but he didn't. So I like seeing his reaction to things. And we even turned a lot of friends onto the series. A lot of male friends, even. Uh, we had a Wii party, one of our infamous Wii parties, uh, where oh, a group of us just got together and we binged through a bunch of my love stories. <laughs> it was a great time.
0: Uh, yeah, I think uh, I, I sort of had the same experience, too, where it's like, you know, a a lot of my friends and a lot of my like real close friends don't watch a lot of the same stuff I do. So my love story at the time was kind of one of the few things, one of the few new things that like when it came out that like a a lot of my friends really got into and loved just as much as I did. So we, even we kind of got to, you know, watch a bit of it together, you know, until again, we all just kind of stopped following it weekly (laughs) for whatever reason. Um, I I also forgot to mention, um, and I feel remiss if I didn't, that uh, I think, uh, I mean, as ashamed as I am to kind of admit it, I think this is the first full shoujo manga I've read in its entirety.
1: Now that is quite a (laughs) shame. That's just sad. Oh my gosh.
2: (laughs) That's interesting to me because it's subversive of shoujo, but you don't have the basis in what it's subverting.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Oh my gosh! <laughs> come on, I knew you didn't read much shojo, Colton, but come on.
0: <laughs> I think the only other shoujo manga I've read is I've read most of Fushi Yugi, but I never got to finish it.
1: Oh boy,
2: <laughs> oh boy! All right. <laughs> well, that sure is a shojo. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm, tr- I'm trying, guys. I'm 2019 is going to be the year I fix that. So.
1: <laughs> and that was the point of the poll. So you need to read uh, Banana Fish, and Yafuru and Yona of the Dawn. I'll year. read all three. Yeah, you better do. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> I, I feel like I feel like I'm at the principal's office right now. Like I'm sorry, I'll do better.
1: Yeah, <laughs> come you on. You got an F in your shoujo manga knowledge.
0: You need to raise those grades before you can graduate to manga expert. Class. I feel like I should be wearing a dunce cap right now. Like that's how I feel right now.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, I. I can't remember the exact timeline, but my love story anime definitely came out like a year or two before I started my podcast. And I think I had had a moment where I like watched a bunch of shojo anime years and years ago. And then like I was falling behind. I like wasn't reading that sh- much shoujo manga. And every day, like my partner at the time, uh, you know, listened to a lot of podcasts and manga podcasts and he'd be like, there's a Gintama podcast and like all these general podcasts and... <laughs> You know, there's the Shonen Jump podcast. And I was like, do none of these podcasts cover shoujo? Like, I am baffled right now. <laughs> it's just like, fine, I'll just make a shoujo manga podcast, because apparently that's a real low bar <laughs> to cover. And like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's it's weird. So I think my love story came at a time where I was like, God, why are there no nobody talks about the shojo? even though like, it's great. I don't understand.
0: <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I should have done a shoujo podcast instead. <laughs>
2: I know.
1: Everybody <laughs> should you shoujo your Shoujo, pod- shoujo manga
0: I know. I guarantee you one of those Gintama podcasts were mine. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, I guess the One Piece podcast. Yeah, it's just like every individual shonen jump series gets its own podcast. And I was like, all right, slow your roll, everybody. <laughs> slow down.
1: There, Yeah, there needs to be more Shoujo Manga podcasts for sure. But I'm really glad that you started Shoujo Intel to fill that niche. And I've been enjoying, like, every episode that I listen to. There are some episodes I don't listen to because I haven't read the series.
2: That's fine. That's how I want to do it. Because, like, honestly, I don't want to contribute to everybody feeling like they have to read everything. I'm like, no, 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 just read the thing. Like, listen to the episodes for things you've already read. Or what if you listen to the beginning and you're like, that sounds cool, like, stop listening, go read it. I don't know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, usually I'll... Sometimes I'll listen to the first part of your discussions so I can learn like the the beginning of the series, but I I I will avoid the second part until I finish reading the series so I don't get spoiled
0: on how it ends.
2: Yeah, because we will spoil everything. <laughs> <laughs> like we're gonna do here too, right? We're gonna spoil all the things. I was I
0: was gonna say we we kind of do the same thing, so you know.
1: Awesome. Yeah, this is not a spoiler anxious podcast. There are spoilers abound. Good, good, good. <laughs>
2: 'Cause I need to talk about the ending. Cause honestly, I think what turned me off initially from my love story was that I really didn't connect with Yamato. But then the ending of the manga, I was like, actually I really feel those those feelings. I understand I understand you girl. Like I feel you.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean I the series is from Takio's perspective most of the time. So, I, a lot of the time, I feel like we only understand Yamato's feelings from his perspective and from, like, kind of that distance. Because Takio is the only character that we can get into his head and see what he's really thinking. And then with other characters, we only know how they're feeling through, like, what they say. And even in scenes where Takio isn't present, we will only learn what they think and what their feelings through their conversations with other characters so yamato is also a character who puts up oftentimes the front of being cheerful and optimistic and hides like how she might really feel from Takio. this is like a conflict that happens like very early in the manga where Takio tells her that don't worry i won't anything to you until we're much older and she's like oh okay and she has <laughs> a hard time like getting courage to tell him that no actually i do want to be intimate with you i do want to like hold hands with you and that's like a big challenge for her like she does suppress her feelings all the time uh, and then throughout the series though we do see like hints that she has a lot of self-doubts in her own right much like Takio she was someone who thought that there wouldn't be anyone... who She she thought that she wasn't very attractive. She didn't think that anyone would really fall in love with her. So they're not too dissimilar in their mindset. And that's really interesting to see kind of those parallels at, at, and think about them as the series progresses.
2: Yeah, to me, it was just like, I don't know, I guess because we see it from takio's perspective... I was like Yamato doesn't have much of a personality to me. Yeah, like she just is like I bake things and I'm happy all the time. I'm like that's weird. So then when we get to see her be depressed at the end, I was like, "Yes, this is this is the darkness I needed <laughs> for you to have right now." <laughs> like <laughs> But like I went through a similar thing with my partner. We had been going out since high school and then we were going to go to separate colleges, so we were sad. And I was like, Thank you. You have you do have feelings, and like she just becomes a mess. And I was like, yes, that's that's, that's what I needed. That's what I needed. <laughs> You're a real person to me now.
1: And it really is interesting that once she's separated from Takio, she loses so much of that confidence when she's in Spain, and that really is throwing like a curveball in like her life because her grades are slipping. And she feels alienated because she doesn't, she can't speak Spanish very well and communicate with other people. And so she really feels isolated and alone. And it is like a really relatable kind of feeling and like a low point for her that you can empathize with. Because that idea of like alienation from other people, like she doesn't even have like a Sunakawa in her life that, you know, she can rely on just to confide feelings in.
2: Yeah, I, that Takio realizing that. when well, I was like, "Thank you, Takio. You you do understand. You're getting more perceptive here, Takio. What's up?" <laughs> but I guess we should go back to talking about Takio, the actual main boy of the story. <laughs>
1: yeah. So, I I guess one of the elements that people considered subversive about my love story was that the protagonist was someone like Takio. I feel like that people look at the cover or look at character character design at first glance and go like, oh, it's about a unattractive protagonist who finds love. But I don't... That for one thing, that is definitely not the intent of Kawahara and Aruko themselves. Like, they designed Takio as kind of like a handsome and cool guy that they found attractive. Like... The series was apparently um, di- apparently it debuted in Bisatsu Margaret with the tagline Ugly Guys Are In, which Kawahara herself found very rude because that's definitely not the point of the story. The point of the story is that a lot of people are attracted to Takio and see admirable qualities of him and love him a lot. And it's Takio himself who thinks that he's not worthy of love, who thinks that you know, he is just someone who is never going to find love because of the way he looks and because he's comparing himself to Tsunakawa all the time and seeing, like, Tsunakawa as a better person than him and more deserving of it. But then, like, by the end of the first chapter, he realizes, no, there is someone who loves him. And then, throughout the series, he realizes it's not just Yamato. Like, he insists to Yamato... During the Maria arc. That oh don't worry. You don't have to worry about anyone else falling in love with me. I'm not popular. But then like when Maria confesses to him. That like opens his mind. That's oh no that's not true. There are a lot of people who love me. And like look out for me. And it's also a great moment. Because that also makes him realize. That he doesn't just love Yamato. Because she's the only one who loves him. She loves He loves Yamato because. She's the only one that he he really thinks about. In that way like. That he truly loves. So it's not that she's the only girl who loves him. Is what attracts him to her. It's that he... She is the only girl for him. In like his mind. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was a really profound moment too. Just on that aspect. But yeah. So I I think that element of it. That Takio is this unattractive guy, And that is the subversive element. Is like missing the point of my love story. And I also... I'm not sure if the series is necessarily subversive. When people describe this series as subversive, like, do you guys feel like there is an element to that? That it is twisting on uh, shoujo tropes in, like, a way that is meant to critique or go against them in, in like, a necessarily intentional way?
0: I mean, as we have discussed earlier, I... I've only read one shoujo manga, so I, I can't really um, speak to that, but... And just as someone who ha- who doesn't have a lot of experience in shoujo manga, what I, I guess what I found kind of surprising was, uh, you know, like in the very beginning, I totally just kind of, you know, I because obviously we don't know Sunakawa very well uh, in the very beginning of the manga. So, you know, I think it's easy for people who are just starting the series to assume like, you know, he's totally stealing all these girls from Tokyo. Uh, whether it be intentional or not, um, I, I I'm sure some people might have just assumed it was intentional, but kind of having that reveal that like, oh, Sunakawa is actually like the best bro anyone could ever have, um, and actually you know loves his friend and cares about you know all these girls who are bad mouthing him. Like I th- I personally found that uh, somewhat surprising because I think I think it would have been easy to have Sunakawa kind of be. A secret be, a secretly be the asshole who, like, you know, steals all these girls from his friend. But no, he just he just genuinely cares about his friend. And 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 again, whether that's like a shoujo thing or not, I can't speak to. But personally, I I thought it was pretty refreshing that he's just a good friend. So
2: yeah, I think what is subversive about this manga, there are things that I think are subversive, and there are other things that I think tried to be maybe subversive and failed at being, or maybe they were trying to play it straight and because we have all this talk about it being subversive, you like read it wrong in the beginning and then you're like, oh, wait, it didn't go that way. that I thought it would. But I think like male friendship is not a thing that I can think throughout many shoujo series happens. Like the portrayal of a healthy male friendship. It's always like, Oh, they're love rivals, and then they become friends, or like they are only friends via you know the girls that they are dating. their are friends, so they all become friends, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> I, I think feel.
0: I think that I think that's the thing too. Is like you know personally, I I can't <sighs> romance isn't really my preferred genre as far as like just stories go because like a, a lot of the romance stories I I have read personally always include like the These situations where it's like, why don't you just talk to them? you know right. like 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 there are so many situations where it's like that where where characters can end up in where it's like you know if you just talk these things out like we we wouldn't have to go through all this extra stuff and i I think that's kind of the i i I think that's the thing I kind of like about my love story is that it doesn't hinge on it doesn't hinge on these wild misunderstandings for like for like drama or whatever like it's a very personal story about people who actually, like, you know, if they can't talk out their feelings, they learn to. And I think that's the thing that makes this series so relatable to me in particular, and I'm sure for a lot of people.
2: Right, this is a very affirming manga. Like, they are actually constantly telling each other, I do love you. It's not, like, random situations where they're like, oh, no, now I don't know how this person feels about me and, like, what could possibly... And, like, I mean, there are situations like that where it's like, okay, a love rival has appeared, but it happens for, like to maybe like a volume max <laughs> they're a little bit confused it's about not, it's not what, how they actually feel yeah. <laughs> yeah it's not a prolonged like multi-arc like there are things in this i've, I've just read Kimi toke. that's a 30 volume series it's much more of a stereotypical shoujo series it's very it you know lingers up- upon like very basic things and there's just an arc in there where it's like eight volumes of a really dumb misunderstanding that in this in my love story is just like a chapter. Uh, <laughs> I see, was like, Thank that, you. Yeah, that sounds like my personal hell.
0: <laughs> I don't know if I could go through
2: that <laughs> Yeah. It's admittedly the worst arc of that, but like <laughs> 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 you know. Uh so there's a lot of like looking at those two se- series, they're also basically contemporaries. Obviously, my or er, community has gone on longer, so it was prolonged more, but like it only just ended, so they were running at the same time basically. So I think that the male friendship is the most subversive thing. The thing that annoys me that I thought was going to be more subversive was like the purity politics of Yamato, because I thought it was really cool that she is like Takeo is the one who is all virginal and upstanding. <laughs> and like that, that exploration of masculinity and like good masculinity and stuff um, was great. And then I thought it was great that Yamato was like, no, I'm the one who's like, you think I'm super innocent but i'm super super like into you and thirsty for you and all these things and I was like <laughs> that's awesome but then like any time that comes up cuz it happens at least 2 or 3 times it's like one kiss is enough to like satisfy all of that sexual tension and i'm like i don't know i don't buy that i don't buy that at all and i don't i don't appreciate this like still really virginal aspect of <laughs> this shojo manga where I, re- I really wanted it to go harder into that aspect because I feel like it was set up like really early on that that was a plot point for her. And I was just like, come on, <laughs>
1: come on. It's definitely a very PG depiction of uh, sexuality <laughs> right? between
0: Tokyo I- and Yamato.
2: And I was like really excited for it not to be, but it totally was. And I was like, no, I'm so disappointed.
0: <laughs> I-, I feel like it would have been kind of jarring to go because I... I- I don't know. Like I I see where you're coming from, but I feel like it would have been really jarring to go from this like really PG, sweet, charming love story to just hardcore uh <laughs> I mean, I'm sure <laughs> probably it probably would have happened off-screen, but I don't know. I I'm, I'm not sure if there's like an easy I'm not I I don't know. I I'm sitting here kind of thinking, well, how how else could this have been handled and I'm and I'm just having a hard time coming up with a solution
1: well I think how it could have been handled is that they decide okay we want to be physically intimate we want to have sex like are we ready to have this like have conversations about that you know like they have been about their feelings throughout the entire series
2: yeah like they just don't have open conversations about it and anytime they do then it just kind of like resets like they don't hold hands properly ever
1: apparently that's adorable that they mess up holding hands just because they're so awkward and being and like nervous being around each other because they love each other so much
2: i don't know i was like get it together y'all or like (laughs) they never kiss consistently takeo has the thing where he's like i'm gonna call her rinko and he like never does that never happens he does it like once and i was just like come on keep just keep one of them consistent at least (laughs) it was basically my my takeaway
0: i don't know i i mostly saw it as like baby steps like i i feel like i kind of understand that thing where it's like you know i I really want to do this but i don't know uh i i guess i kind of disagree in that you know rome wasn't built in the day um (laughs) i don't know
1: (laughs) i do think it's weird that after the entire arc towards the end where takio is abstaining from touching yamato because he's getting so worked up around her and then yamato is like intentionally engineering situations that would get her close to Takio so that he would like touch her and notice her and stuff and get excited because she is very happy that he's doing it like that and then eventually they have a conversation that you know it's okay for you to have these feelings around me I have the same feelings for you I do think it is weird that at the conclusion of that arc like they share a big sloppy kiss but that's as far as it goes right because they already had done that before
2: They maybe you make out that's what I'm saying <laughs>
1: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) they need to
2: kiss at least more. Cons—they need to kiss each other goodbye, like something. Give me anything, really. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um. But yeah, no. That's actually the parallel arc that's crap in Kimi to too. Is that it's like, uh, the dude is like, oh my god, I can't control myself around her, so I'm not gonna touch her, and that gives her like super anxiety for again like six to eight volumes, some ridiculous amount of volumes. Like seriously. And then finally it's actually their teacher who's like, oh wow, you haven't touched her for like six months. What a cool dude you are, JK. That like you're super that's super uncool. And it's just like, Yes, the shoujo mangas get it. They're just really bad at like <laughs> releasing that tension, getting over it and talking about it, and then just being like, here's how we're gonna remedy it in a, you know, actionable way. <laughs>
1: God. <laughs> But at the same time, I don't think it is necessarily wrong that they wouldn't want to progress their relationship much further than kissing, necessarily.
2: No, that could be fine. If they want to wait to do it,
1: that's fine. But I think that they should have had more of a conversation about it. Like, the series does tiptoe its way around even mentioning sex by name. I don't think they explicitly mention sex by name at any point during the manga.
2: Oh, yeah, no. No, no. (laughs) The one time Takio was like, Yamato is being such a tease. And I was like, whoa, he used the word tease. What's up? <laughs> like,
0: that's
1: that scandalous. <laughs> like, that's Other, <laughs> oh. <laughs> Other times the series will just use euphemisms for any feelings of sexual desire, like saying Takio is getting excited <laughs> and not saying like he's getting Sunopawa turned was on. was like,
2: I can't say desires. That seems wrong. <laughs> Stop making me talk about this. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> poor Uh, sunakawa
1: poor boy boy. (laughs) but i guess to turn the light on that on takio how takio expresses like how he's feeling to and like trying to share like how he's feeling towards sunakawa like it is kind of admirable and going back to the male friendship idea to see such a close friendship where these two characters can be open about their feelings with one another and can talk about like these kind of subjects to each other at least, without embarrassment on Takio's part.
2: <laughs> well, because Takio is always like, Suno, What if I practice kissing on you? And Suno's like, please don't. <laughs> please, that's a step too far. We've gone way too Wraps a the plastic far.
1: wrap around his head.
2: <laughs> yeah, some pushing daisies nonsense is happening here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like...
1: <laughs> but it's so rare to like have a friendship like that be portrayed between two male characters, just in any manga. I feel that like they would be so open and frank emotionally and it doesn't like take a lot of buildup to even get to that point they're like that way from the start Mm -hmm.
2: yeah i do wonder if it's still a little too like baity on them being possibly lovers like instead of it just being a bromance like you know them being great friends it's like they do see the sexual tension between them a little too much, maybe. I'm like, mm, all right, but that's fine. But no, Sunakawa is the, is the best character. I'm just going to throw that out there. Uh And I think that he in particular is the best character. This also is maybe, I, I don't know that I would call it subversive, but... I think that he's a great portrayal of what introverts are actually like and a thing that you don't see a lot in manga. Because I feel like when manga normally tries to portray somebody who's like shy or introverted, those are two different things. Uh, But like, they'll be like, oh, it's because they're an otaku who's like kind of eccentric in their personal life and they just like haven't found their little niche yet. And then they discover, I don't know, like princess jellyfish or whatever, that sort of deal. But Tsunekawa is like, no, I just like to read books. And like, <laughs> he's not eccentric about reading books. The one chapter, the one bonus chapter where you get to see him be excited about a book, I was like, that feels so real right now. Like, his hype level is actually pretty minimal. And then he's just like, passive aggressively mad that Takio has ruined his book. And I was like, that's that's so real. And Tsunekawa is like, drained when Tanaka, Tanaka's the transfer student or whatever. Yeah, when Tanaka comes and tries to be his friend, cause he's like Sunakawa's the hot one or whatever. I want to look cool with Sunakawa. Sunakawa like lays down in Takio's room and then is just like, I just need to go to bed <laughs> because <laughs> he's like so drained by having to hang out with somebody new and stuff. And I was like, this is awesome. Or and then the other bonus chapter where they're talking about like embarrassing things where they tried to imitate somebody else or whatever. And Sunakawa like went to get a hand grip to try to be manly like Takeo and build muscles and all these things and he was like what am I doing this is weird and embarrassing I don't I'm I can't be like Takeo and he just like immediately discards it I'm like yes that is definitely <laughs> it's like he thinks that's super embarrassing because as an introvert you think every little dumb thing is so like scary even when people don't know about it and then you're just like no Sunakawa that's like adorable and nobody cares <laughs> and,
0: like, <laughs> he just wants to be like his friend He
1: does. (laughs) Yeah. I I really appreciate Tsumikawa characterization because unlike, yeah, like you mentioned, like unlike other introverts, it's not that he's like, he's not so, he's not, it's not like he can't function in society. It's not like he feels alienated from society and like out of place in it. It's just that he is a quiet person. He just likes keeping to himself. Uh, He just isn't, it's sociable and he's just not inclined to be that way and that's okay because he only really needs his friendship with takio like that's as much social interaction he really wants and that's good enough for him
2: yeah like he has his sister he has Takeo, and then through takio then you know they hang out with other people sometimes and he seems totally fine with that and he's like this is great like this is all i need and i want to read books and like Actually, the most adorable scene with him was when he decides to watch Takeo's little sister while the mom goes to the grocery store and he's like talking to Maki, like this is such a thing. It's like, I'm talking to another human, but like they don't understand me and that's fine. (laughs) So he's like talking, he's like, I feel a little lonely because, you know, Takeo's hanging out with Yamato more and like, I don't know, I need some social interaction, I guess, or whatever. And Takeo overhears that and is like, Suna. Why don't you tell me more things? And Suna's like, oh my god, I am so embarrassed. Please no, this is terrible. I need to run away now. Like <laughs> the most terrified introvert. <laughs> he's like, I've done I've done a bad this <laughs> too much for me. <laughs> Talking about feelings. It was great. I love Suna. He's the best.
1: <laughs> it, yeah. It's really adorable.
2: I know. So like he's just I was like, thank you, manga, for not making him eccentric or like shy. So the difference between introvert and shy is like shy, you actually get social anxiety, like talking to people. Introvert is just it's like it's kind of exhausting, but you can do it. And he's just like a perfect introvert.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's basically the contrast between him and a mommy. A mommy is someone who's definitely shy and has trouble like talking to people, like finding even the words to say. Mm -hmm. which is like why she has a hard time like communicating with Tsunekawa for a long time and just watched him from afar for like 10 years
2: (laughs) right yeah yeah totally (laughs) (laughs) oh boy (laughs) not creepy at all no
1: (laughs) no (laughs) well I mean
2: definitely yes
1: (laughs) she grows from that like when we see her later on she seems to have made friends with Takio and Yato and seems to have become like more socially able.
2: Yes, I'm proud of her. Good job, Mommy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I I personally want to give a shout out to uh to Takio's mom cuz she's probably one of the best moms in manga, quite honestly. Yeah. I don't know. I just I I just love how like <laughs> I love how like even when she was pregnant, you know, uh, Takio and his dad. Which, by the way, his dad is handsome as fuck. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I I I love it how like they constantly worry about her, but she like it's 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 like she's not even pregnant. Like she she might as well just not be carrying a baby because she she can still do she could still still do pretty much everything like a mom and a housewife can. She still like cleans the house, you know goes out to buy groceries and whatnot. She's even helping other pregnant women. <laughs> um, yeah. She, she's pretty much a superhero in my eyes. Like, like she's she's great. I love her. Basically.
2: Yeah, it's great to see her do it, but also, like, you understand that she is taking steps to, like, protect her baby. Like, when she's cleaning, you see her, like, being in the weird positions, like, oh, this is the, the way that it won't hurt my baby. This is the way to clean now. Like, you know, sort of deal. I'm like, yes.
1: And she is worried after she saves the other pregnant woman from falling down the stairs that, you know, that might have had a, uh, an adverse effect on her baby. And that causes her some anxiety that's very noticeable uh, for the rest of, like, that story arc.
2: Yeah, she's also just so real when she was like, like, this is a manga inherently about not taking things for granted. Uh, and Takio is very touched when his mom is like, you know, some children don't get to grow up and, like... Live full lives. So, like, don't take life for granted, basically. Like, she has this no nonsense, but still very cheerful attitude that really clearly affects him <laughs> and he tries to live with. And I was like, yes, that's nice. And that's why it's so nice to see the protagonist always be so affirming of their love for each other. Like, he's always like, I love you, Yamato. And she's like, I love you too. And then he's like, Suna, like, we're pros, <laughs> and he was like, "What's up?" <laughs> yeah, Sakio's <laughs> the best, <laughs> and all these things, and I'm like, "Thank you. It's so nice that you just say those things out loud instead of wondering about it forever."
0: <laughs> it's interesting because, like, for a while while I was reading, like, it, it sort of felt like, uh, as far as like the story goes, like at first I felt it was like very light, um, and I, 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 I kind of thought about the possibility of people getting into this and uh and and maybe not feeling like there's a lot going on like it's just it's just cute for the sake of being cute but then obviously later on you kind of realize you know sort of the point of my love story is that you know it's basically just takio just learning to be able to express his feelings and you know learning along the way that he does deserve to find love and and whatnot um but i mean with that being said like honestly like takio is such a great character that i i could just I could just read about him forever.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Sequel manga of him being an adult. <laughs> what his adventures are.
0: I mean, honestly, I'd, I would I would read that day one. Like, Same. Yeah, I would love that.
1: I mean, Kawahara and Uruko wrote and drew him to be their idea of what a cool guy is. And I mean, he does consistently amazing and awesome things. I mean, like from very early on when he's like, when he rescues two people from a burning building and he jumps out of the burning building. I mean, that is pretty badass. I remember me and v Lord joking that, oh my gosh, they should they should air this on Toonami <laughs> and in the trailer, just use just that, do that. <laughs> scene to sell, to sell it as an action show.
0: <laughs> oh, I, I don't want to admit... Um, I said this on Twitter, but I really don't want to admit, like, how loudly I sobbed when I first watched that episode. It was, it's pretty embarrassing, <laughs> actually. <laughs> yeah
2: well see that's another scene i think where it's like it's lightly poking fun at more stereotypical romance tropes because he's like i could die here and that would be great to like sacrifice my life but then he realizes you know it's better to live your life entirely with the person you love that's more of a a cool thing to do probably (laughs) um show how much you you love them and everything and uh Yeah, I don't know. So, like, there's lots of ways in which I think this manga gently pokes fun at other shoujo tropes with, like, those action scenes and everything, and Takio's masculinity in particular. Like, I love the scene where Oda is basically forcing himself on Ai, Sunakawa's sister. They're doing the Kame Don thing. Uh, so he like pushes her up against the wall and she's like, what are you doing? And he's like, I pushed you up against the wall. Did you fall for me? And she's like, no. <laughs> and then like Oda kisses her and Takeo sees that that upsets I, and is like, you should not have done that. And they're all immediately like, yeah, that was a bad thing. And I'm like, yes, that's that. Those are the things that are like refreshing about this manga. But I still hesitate to call them. Subversive, so much as like, isn't that how everything should go? (laughs) Like, isn't that just how the masculinity should be?
1: (laughs) Yeah, this is like a healthy portrayal of what masculinity should be, and then like also how you should treat other people.
2: Yeah,
0: (laughs) I was was gonna say, I you know that that's the one trope I'm I'm very familiar with. So when I when I got to that point, (laughs) there
1: you go, you appreciated it. (laughs)
0: When 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 I got to that point, I was like, ah, there it is. Took him long enough.
1: That moment is definitely a surprising moment for Takio because Takio always wields his strength responsibly and uses it to protect other people, help other people. Rarely do we see him fight people and like punch or hurt people, but in that moment you could definitely tell that he was so truly angered by what Oda has done. Because that is I think the only time he throws a punch at someone to like hurt them and stop them. Like outside of participating in like the judo competition or whatever
2: well i guess it's seeded from he gets suspended for punching the groper that uh was harassing oh, your motto yeah, ha-
1: but, but he got that was also a moment where he got very mad on the be- because of how someone because of how that person was mistreating someone else
2: no totally and that's great yeah I, th- I feel like starting with a groper is also like kind of a typical shoujo manga thing <laughs> like so, groper on a train is here so it's like, in the same way, I think Kawahara just knows, she's like, I've I've read the shoujos, like, I know throughout all our series, she has these light, gentle uh, breaking of the stereotypical tropes that you've seen. Yeah, I still just don't know if it's enough to be like, it's
1: the most subversive thing ever. <laughs> like... <laughs> I definitely don't think that should be the selling point of my life story. That it is good because it is subversive. I think that what readers should be attracted to my life story is, is because the central issues are so compelling. And also because the series explores the emotions and feelings of its characters and depicts communication between the characters and how they're feeling uh, in a very healthy and uh, responsible way in a way that other romance series often don't do. And especially its depiction of masculinity and positive masculinity is something to be noted as very rare among other titles, shoujo or shonen, where oftentimes there is going to be like a domineering aspect in the male characters when they try to, like they often might try to coerce or uh, force uh a female characters or other characters into acquiescing to what they want. But in my love story, takio is always he always is a supportive person and he never like forces Yamato to do anything she doesn't want to do, and the relationship is mutually amiable.
0: I mean, yeah, like, I, I think that's just a problem with um going back to the whole subversive thing. Like, I feel like that's kind of a problem with like just people who are into media in general like people are so obsessed with like uh, subversions and how does this deconstruct this trope or this genre or whatever like that's i don't know I, i see a lot of people put a lot of stock in that kind of thing and while i think like those kinds of conversations are interesting um you know like again as someone who doesn't have a lot of experience in shoujo manga like i feel like i got a lot out of this series even even though I'm I'm not familiar with shojo tropes, like I I feel like I got a lot out of the characters. I it it took me a while to kind of realize what Takio's sort of character arc is, but once I once I was kind of clued in, like I was kind of all there. Like I I really like seeing Takio just kind of you know learn to express his feelings and learn that like basically that he has worth. Um, I thought that was a very compelling arc that I thought really wrapped up nicely with his sort of monologue at the very end of the series. That, that you know, that his, his love story can, is, you know, is basically the same as anyone else's love story, which I thought was very beautiful.
1: Most definitely.
2: Yeah, I just love that it still does the shoujo thing of, like, you know, you're sold of, on this, like, the back cover is like, Takeo is, is a giant person with a giant harp, and nobody loves him, and it's like, Oh, everybody falls for his best friend all the time, and it's like, yeah, that's that's the one shot, and then like the rest of the series is not at all (laughs) like about that at all. It's kind of just like, oh, now nobody, we don't care about anybody being in love with Sunakawa. It doesn't matter. Like nobody even is in love with Sunakawa aside from Amami, and that's like addressed in a volume. So like, who cares anymore? Uh, And it just goes off to be something else.
1: We see girls swoon over Sunakawa, but it's never the focus of the series. The focus is always on takio and rinko's relationship and takio and sunakawa's relationship
0: i was i was kind of almost waiting for an arc where it's like oh uh, is sunakawa finally gonna fall for a girl but i also i'm also okay with him just you know like we said earlier like i'm i'm okay with just him you know doing as much socialized socializing as he wants to and and not much else outside of that like that's just him
1: Yeah, not everyone needs to couple up and get into, like, a romantic relationship. For Sunakawa, his friendship with Takio is enough for him. And I think that is perfectly fine. (laughs) He's
2: so good. (laughs) I I love when he hits snapping points, too. Like, when he's, like, when he just tells Tanaka, I don't like you, and walks away. I'm like, yes, perfect.
1: (laughs) That is such an important character moment, because that's, like, the first time he, like, vocally expresses his dislike for someone. Like, all that time he was, like, passively just hanging around Tanaka because he's he isn't just blunt enough to say, no, I don't want to be around you. And even though he's visibly annoyed because Tanaka is bad-mouthing his best friend and stuff, you know, he just doesn't take the initiative to just not hang around him because he views it as, like, more of an effort to ignore him. But then, and ultimately, just gets to that point where he's like, no, you know what? I don't like you. I don't want to be around you. I'm not going to be your friend. Yes. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> just a great character moment for Tsunikawa. Oh. Yes.
0: Yeah, anytime Tsunikawa got, like, visibly upset, I just... It, it honestly kind of scared me a little bit, like...
1: <laughs> <laughs> because it is so rare for him, because he's such a mellow person who keeps to himself, which, again, makes the moment where he slaps Takio before like having self-doubts about his relationship with Yamato and like, breaking up with her and fulfilling like the promise he had to Takio that if like he ever veered off the wrong path, like slap him to his senses. But like, yeah, I mean, just like him actually being upset with Takio, like in a serious way like that is just so rare and astounding that it leaves a huge impact mm-hmm. in that moment. Suna. And I definitely, for Takio, that moment is definitely the big wake-up call. He has to realize, yeah, I messed up and I need to make this right.
2: Yeah, you did, Takio. What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing, bro? Come on. <laughs>
0: I also want to just kind of give a shout out to the to the little arc with um, Kurihara and uh, Nanako. Um I thought that was a really sweet little arc where... Uh, I, 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 The moment that really stuck out to me from that was where, you know, because obviously, you know, Yamato and Takio really want to be supportive of their friends and try to get them together, but then they're kind of faced with the reality that at the end of the day that not every relationship can work out as well as theirs, and you can't force that kind of thing on people. Like, you kind of have to let that thing sort of build naturally, which I, I thought was... It was interesting for me because it's like my love story is really cool because like you know obviously uh, yamato and takio like they have their issues and their pro- their foibles that they kind of have to get over but like it's this weird mix of like yeah it's an idealized relationship that not everyone has but it's also still very grounded at the same time which i don't know how it achieves this mix but i think it achieves it very well
1: <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: no it totally does yeah I know that Lum, you wanted to talk about how this is actually a manga. That's th- one of the other big differences between this and other shoujo manga is that this manga is not about the chase of the girl or like getting in the relationship. Oh yeah, it thank you. It's about being being in the relationship, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, I
0: was I was gonna say that earlier, like, um, but I, I wasn't sure if this was a thing in shoujo manga. But I know it's I know it's a thing, like, it, just in anime and manga in general, like a thing. The thing that.
1: Well, in any romance story, really, like, so many stories are about characters coupling up and getting together. And that's the climax of the story. But here, that's just the beginning. And the rest of the story is them working through their feelings and their problems being in a relationship. And that is so much more rare for the entirety of a series to be about that
0: and i think that's i think that's a more interesting angle to take too because it's like yeah sure we can we can watch all these hijinks where it's like how do i get the girl oh i've got to do this thing or this crazy wacky sitcom sort of scheme but like at the end of the day yeah i i think it's more interesting that you know yamato and takeo got together like very early on to like i think it's more interesting to in stories to see people kind of work together and work through their issues together more so than them actually trying to like trying to get together like I'm that was something I really appreciated as well.
1: And even in other stories where there is a lot of focus on characters in a relationship already or like explores those ideas it usually does not happen from the very start. Like with Yamataka and the Seven Witches it's like 90 chapters until the characters become a couple and then you know the remaining 150 chapters are them being in their relationship but like again that's still 10 12 volumes until you get to that point
2: Uh, (laughs) ah yeah i would say it's the same with Kimi chodoke like Kimi chodoke 30 volumes the first 10 are them getting in the relationship having all the miscommunications and whatnot and then the last 20 are them in the relationship but it's still like you know
0: my soul was going to leave my body if you said it was going to take 30 volumes for the lips Get Together.
2: <laughs> no, it's not that crazy. <laughs> it's not that crazy. Just,
0: just 10 volumes crazy. Just 10 no. volumes. <laughs> just
2: 10 volumes. Yes. <laughs> uh. But yeah, no, this is good because it's like all those other things make it seem like the hardest bit is getting in the relationship where actually in real life, I feel like that's not if particularly in these times where we have like dating apps and all of this nonsense. And like when you're in high school, you you are around so many people all the time, like it's way easier to make friends in a school setting than it is in like a work setting, basically. All these things. So it's like, you know, all these manga make it seem like the getting in the relationship is the hard part. And I'm like, no, that should be pretty easy. Like, (laughs) getting in the relationship is you ask, they say yes or no. Cool. (laughs) Like, (laughs) whatever. Uh, It's the staying in the relationship. And the relationship that you presumably wanted so badly all that time, that is, like, really, really hard. It takes a lot of work to stay. It's not, like, magic. Like, I got in the relationship, now it's permanent forever. Woohoo! yay, We're going to be
0: happy forever. Yeah,
2: exactly. It's like, no, it it takes a lot of work to live together for whatever your life spans. That's what your goal is here, which presumably it is. It's like, ugh. Yeah, so it's nice also to see them acknowledge that they are young and that it's, like, a little bit ridiculous. And, I mean, it still ends with a marriage proposal, which is, like, mildly annoying, but,
1: like... Yeah, you're only 17. Maybe wait until you're fully uh, self-sufficient adults before you take that leap.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, like, chillax for a second,
1: but, you know... Well, I
0: mean, to be fair, Takio is even like, no, we'll, we'll we'll wait till we're older.
1: Yeah, but again, you're proposing while you're still in high school. <laughs> yeah,
2: see how your life goes, like <laughs> living apart and going to college and picking careers. Those are big things, like big stuff. <laughs> you don't know which, like, how it's gonna go or anything. But yeah,
0: uh, man. I mean, just kind of going off of that, I was really hoping for like some kind of time skip or something before the end. Like, I really wanted this. See- I want to see the cast of my love story like aged up. At some point, maybe like an epilogue chapter or something down the line, I would love to see something like that.
1: My love story, the college years. Oh
0: boy,
2: Uh, Uh, that's an interesting wish because I feel like most of the time in Shoujo manga, when I get to the end, I'm like, I didn't need this epilogue. I didn't want this. I didn't. Nope. (laughs) Didn't. Didn't want. (laughs) Take it out. (laughs) Delete it.
0: But I guess was there was there anything else you guys wanted to touch upon?
1: I think that the series also challenges ideas that you need to be self-sacrificing to the detriment of yourself in a good way. Because both Takeo and Sunakawa are willing to sacrifice like their own happiness and keep like their unhappiness to themselves in order for their friends to be happy, and the series you know goes out of the way their its way to have them confront each other and be like, no. You don't need to be unhappy for my sake. You know, let's work through this. These feelings come to a compromise. Uh, so I think that's a very good message. And I, yeah, again, like the central thesis is that you should believe yourself to be worthy of love. And that even if your feelings might not be returned by some person, that doesn't mean that there isn't someone out there for you. Which is something that a lot of characters, you know, learn about the series. Not just Akio himself, but like even characters like Saijo and Amami kind of learn these uh ideas too and i i really like the tanaka arc uh because of how i think it addresses this idea of like having parasocial relationship or like just a relationship with social media in place of actual friendships and how damaging that is because Anaka is someone who is like obsessed with popularity and popularity online and on social media to the fact that he's not even living in the moment. Like he's going to these popular spots and pretending that he has friends and pretending that he's popular, you know, in order to accrue online popularity in place of actually having friendships. And then Takuya and Tsunakawa end up reaching out to him. And like help him realize that he should be living in the moment and actually reaching out and forming genuine connections with people, rather than basing connections with people just through being popular or being in the popular clique on social media and in real life. So I thought that was a really good message uh, and really good exploration of those ideas. That's you know increasingly relevant as social media becomes such a overwhelming force in a lot of people's lives and especially with like a new generation of kids growing up and like online all the time
0: yeah i really the moment that really stuck out to me in that arc in particular was when uh tanaka takio and sunakawa are are out camping and spending time together and whatnot and tanaka sees uh, a cliff with a bunch of flowers and he you know he's trying to take a picture and he can't get a good view so takio offers to literally climb him up the mountain (laughs) or whatever um and you know while Tanaka's tied to Takio is trying to take pictures but you know while while he's dangling from a cliff and Takio literally has to be like hey like put your phone away like this is really dangerous like I just I don't know like I it's it's just one of those moments where it's like like it seems ridiculous but like I could totally see somebody in this day and age actually doing something like that and it just makes me kind of sad <laughs>
1: It's a good (laughs) message to see the world through your own eyes and not through the lens of your phone's camera.
0: Yeah, I I totally feel the same way.
2: Yeah, well, what I like the most about Sunakawa and Takeo's approach with Tanaka, even though I think, like, overall, the Tanaka arc felt a little random to me, because he just, like, appears and, like, takes Sunakawa, and I was like, this doesn't feel real to me for, like... That a transfer student just comes and is like, "I request the presence of Sunakawa," and Sunikawa was like, "Okay," <laughs> like, I was "Like what? I don't. This isn't how life works. I don't understand." Um, but sure, like his message overall in the end was fine, so I was like, "Great." Uh, but what I mostly like about it is that also like Sunakawa and Takeo are like, you know what? He says he wants these things, so like we're gonna give him those things, and see that's how we're gonna tell if he's a good person or not. If he like actually appreciates after what we've done for him and all these things. Um, but also, I think that generally Takeo and Sunakawa to all people are great because they they're empathetic enough to reach out to people who are not within their social circle, right? To like help them. They're always helping strangers and all these things. But they are also kind enough to each other and appreciate each other enough to constantly be protecting the people in their circles so they're like you know Tanaka we will like hate you if you are mean to sunakawa or whatever and sunakawa is always like I reject girls because they talk bad about you takeo behind my back and like you are you're my bro so <laughs> can't have that like that you are more important to me than anything um and yeah just the genuine appreciation of like again you know it's good to make friends and social media can facilitate knowing lots of people, but also, like, having a core group of people that you can re- depend on is, like, way more important and fulfilling, normally, than having a kajillion followers on Twitter or whatever. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. The Twitter followers won't come save you and climb a cliff with you. <laughs> so, as <long> as
1: <laughs> no, no. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I th- I mean, that is such an admirable thing about Tokyo's Takio, in particular, that he is just so willing to help people in need and not think twice about it.
2: Yeah, no, that's it's like him thinking twice about it is like, oh no, that's not good, Takio. Don't <laughs> don't think about it. Just just go for it.
1: <laughs> Though Takio does learn that Takio is very much a person who lives in the moment, and uh, we see that throughout the series that he doesn't do he does things without thinking a lot of times but of course he does learn by the end of the series that not only it's not just enough to live in the moment and be satisfied with how things are but also he needs to actively like fight for his future which is basically the crux of that final arc where he has to like go out of his way to preserve his relationship with Yamato not just by excelling in his studies but also after he makes that huge mistake and thinks that he is hurting her by being in a relationship with her and realizing that was a mistake to break up with her to go all the way out into Spain and like rebuild that relationship
0: oh jeez my, my heart sank like <laughs> that was that was that hurt a lot
1: Yeah, but man, what a great moment it is that all the characters that they've interacted with throughout the series and helped along the way convene together to yell at Takio and tell him, no, you've made a mistake, you need to get back together with her.
0: Yeah, I I thought that was a really, I thought that was a pretty interesting moment, because you even have people like Ichinose and Tanaka, like... You know, like was it, did was Ichinose not doing anything important? Like, and also, did Tanaka like transfer to another school? Like, <laughs> they
1: took time out of their day yeah. and traveled from afar they were like, to together. This is the most together. important thing. This is the most important <laughs> ta- thing. Ta- I love the panel that's just showing like all the kids are, like marching towards Takio's house. It's so good, <laughs> and people are wondering like, where are they all going? Yeah, what's up with these people?
0: I thought that was a very. uh... A very interesting moment for sure because it's like for some of those people, it's like, how far did they have to travel just for this <laughs> one person?
2: No distance can keep them apart, man. <laughs> What's up?
0: Ain't no mountain high enough, yeah. Ain't no mountain that's high true enough. friendship,
2: yeah. I do love how many times, like, people going to an airport and then, like, I don't know, they go to Okinawa spontaneously, they go to Spain spontaneously. Uh, I chases down oda in the airport that one time like all right y'all like to run away like a lot that's that's (laughs) That's a big
1: common trope in romance stories like the the chase to the airport to stop someone from leaving confess their feelings for them before it's too late the series really likes to use that
0: um yeah like i can't help but think like if i were in that situation and someone were chasing after me you know even if they were like no wait come back i love you i'd be like I, I mean, okay, I'll stay, but like, can can you pay me back for my airport ticket? Like, yeah, <laughs> flying is expensive. <laughs> like, I, I I wouldn't want I wouldn't just want to. Dr- I mean, I wouldn't want to just drop my flight. Like, I already bought the ticket. But it is kind of amazing that this
1: is such a common cliche in so many romance stories. Off the top of my head, this ha- I I remember this happens in Nizikoi, this happens in Kimogure or in drone This is a trope since uh I guess since airports have been a thing. Since airports Our
2: whole lives <laughs> always a trope. <laughs> I just feel like airports you used to actually be able to more easily do stuff like that, but now I'm like yeah, no airports. Exactly. Security? <laughs> I'm like you gotta go the security <laughs> and everything now. That doesn't make sense. This doesn't make sense makes sense <laughs> like what are you talking about
1: <laughs> maybe japanese airports like people rabies. would
2: question rinko and takio i mean i guess if takio is supposed to look like an adult maybe not but they'd be like they'd have to have ids and like they would show that they're minors and like i don't know all these things i <laughs> can get in the way
0: <laughs> i just want to scene with one of them like trying to go through trying to go through like security in the metal detector and the security guard just being like hey, what are you doing here? You got to get in with everybody else. I'm in love. Okay, go ahead. <laughs>
2: I guess it just annoys me because I'm 29 and I swear like a year ago I went to the airport and like I was by myself being 28 or whatever and the security guard was like, "Uh, who are you with? And I was like, I'm 28. <laughs> and just like, you <laughs> were like, oh my God, whoa, my bad. <laughs> like, I thought you were a minor. I'm like, you thought I was like sub 18? Like, I'm so confused right now.
1: <laughs> what so, the heck?
2: I know. So like, <laughs> airport stories like that is just like I'm just like no the airports don't look work like that it's just not they just don't yeah
0: yeah the TSA doesn't give a shit about your shitty romance or whatever you gotta follow the rules like (laughs) everyone else
1: yeah I know god the TSA would stop Tokyo for like an extra check
2: yeah probably just
1: because of how big he is and that they'd be suspicious of him
2: I know god where's my manga that shows me realistic airports
1: (laughs) (laughs) That uh, that should be parodied in and like a romance blog at some point. Just this idea of oh, I have to race to the airport to stop this person, but uh oh, I have to get, uh, get a ticket because yeah, they won't let me in without one. Oh, I have to go through security. Oh no, I'm detained. <laughs> no, I can't, like, okay. Oh no, they <laughs> think I'm I'm an illegal immigrant. They're gonna deport me. <laughs> no,
0: like, oh my god. <laughs> oh no, I, I oh, oh wait, I, I forgot to leave my hand soap at home. Now they think I'm a terrorist. Yeah,
2: <laughs> they think I'm a terrorist. No, no. God, that's what i need that's what i need my get it together manga get it together
0: any any series that includes that is automatically like contender for best manga of all time in my book like seriously
2: (laughs) (laughs) my goodness i feel like the only other thing i wanted to touch on was the art actually because i think it's really great i also think that it is heavily inspired i haven't read that much like older shoujo because i'm a I'm not that great at this, but like, it fe- the, especially in like Yamato's eyes and stuff, it feels very heavily inspired by older like 70s shojo with like heavy, heavy use of blatant sparkles and all these things. I'm like, yeah, I dig it. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I, I could see that, especially with Takio. He he doesn't look like your modern like you know protagonist at all. Like he 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 feels like somebody that would a he feels like a character from a 70s manga.
2: Yeah, oh, especially his dad. His dad actually feels super like he's from a 70s <laughs> manga
1: to me.
0: <laughs> yeah. Like, Takio looks like Gogo 13 is his dad. Like...
1: <laughs> Honestly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> or, or or at least is like, his grandfather or something.
2: Yeah. I don't know. There's just a lot of instances, too, where, like, Yamato is not drawn quite chibi, but, like, a soft, like, rounder older style looking sort of deal and i'm like i I dig it i'm I'm down i'm game
0: (laughs) i i I could see that and to
1: me it's really interesting how Uruko's arc differs from kawahara's arc and especially in the way and how each of those artists draw like the main characters because kawahara's takio has a much slimmer face is not quite as bulky it, it definitely looks like a different character almost because his lips are much smaller and his eyes are much bigger with different type eyebrows. And this changes throughout the series when we have like Kawahara like tr- drawing Takio in different ways throughout the series during like the author's comments parts. But yeah, I always feel that her Yamato in particular always looks so different from Aruko's Yamato because there's just a quality both in like the eyes and her face that just look a lot more sharper like uh Kawahara's hair designs look a lot more sharper with more like blunt shapes as opposed to the rounder shapes of Aruko's so Yamato in particular looks almost like a completely different character to me there's like with Aruko's Yamato I definitely get that sense that she is a very cheery innocent girl but with uh, Kawahara is Yamato. I like, get kind of a mischievous energy from her, so it's really interesting just how like the nuances of how they draw the characters. Like, there's so much different characterization that you can draw and interpret for them, which is I think why Kawahara is always so awestruck with how Aruko draws the characters because there's definitely an energy that. She notices, and I definitely agree with that. Aruko captures with these designs that Kawahara's designs definitely can't. That like contributes to this idea that these characters are like really innocent and optimistic and cheerful in a way that like uh, Kawahara's doesn't.
0: Yeah, uh, really, the only character out of the three that I feel like is the most similarly designed, no matter who draws him, is Sunakawa.
1: Which is interesting because Kawahara is always complaining about how she thinks her Asunikawa isn't cool enough. That's always the character she's dissatisfied with how she draws.
2: I mean, I actually agree with her. When I look at him, I'm like, yeah, you drew him less hot and you made Takio hotter. Yeah,
0: that is
1: true. That is true. Even Yeah, though I can see that. I do still agree that when I compare her... Takio and Ruko's Takio, and I heard Sunakawa and Ruko's Sonakawa. I think the Sunakawa's look much closer than the Takios do.
2: Yeah, but she's definitely just being like, Sunakawa, you're not, I can't, you're not, you shouldn't be as hot. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I guess I could see there being a different energy com- uh, comparing the two designs, but w- which is, again, which is interesting because to me, both designs really do look very similar it's just interesting um also takio is does not look the same at the end of the manga as he does in the beginning like he really uh i think got the most dramatic change throughout the series
1: which is pretty expected with a manga that runs for any considerable length of time that as the artist becomes more comfortable drawing the characters they eventually will get more simplified and smoother uh because the artist is more comfortable drawing them now and has a better. has a like clear sense of like how they approach the character
0: i, I also just love uh, how expressive he is too uh takio has way too many good faces yeah,
1: oh, yeah. Aruka really has fun playing with takio's face to create some really great wild takes i she's so playful in her art in a really fun way like takio's shirts when he's wearing a waiki shirt always has fun text that represents what really yeah. he's thinking on them
2: <laughs> i was like where do i get this where's this shirt sold <laughs> this at?
1: magic t-shirt that has the what he's thinking on it all the time like when he thinks yamato's had a bad day at work it like reads come at me <laughs> but that's your mission market at anything it's just really wonderful quirks like that that i really love about her heart and it's really quite incredible that apparently kawahara's storyboards are very simple like the just basic idea of where characters are placed and dialogue, and then Ruko takes all that and really comes up with the visual element of it all on her own, which is quite impressive to me. Like, apparently, my for minor characters, Kawahari would just write, oh, a, a simple description of what the character looks like, and then Ruko came up with the design all on her own, which is quite impressive to me. And this is, I mean, the main street themselves were kind of designed that way, like, Kawahara asked Ruko to draw her, like, a cool-looking guy, and so she drew, uh, and then she asked her to draw a kind of character type that doesn't normally appear in Shoujo manga, and that's how she drew Takio. And so, yeah, I mean, Aruko's really good at coming up with, like, very interesting character designs, like, consistently throughout the series.
0: Yeah, I, I- I thought as far as the art went, and, like, the paneling and sequencing, I thought were all pretty good, um... Arcos art is like it feels very minimalistic in places but I think it also gets the job done.
1: Yeah, it's it's all about like the where she places are the focus of the reader. Like there is a lot of panels that are just focused on characters faces or even just text balloons, but it's paced out in such a way that the flow of reading is always engaging. And so you don't need to have, like, a whole lot of art going on sometimes because you're already, like, engrossed in what you're reading. And then because the art can be so minimalist at times, when there is, like, a big profound art moment, a big two-page spread, that even has even more impact.
0: Her art doesn't feel super cluttered, which, I it, like, it's, it's very easy to tell, like, what's going on.
1: Yeah, I prefer
2: less over more certainly. <laughs> I I've read my overcluttered shojo and I'm always like, what's going on here? That's that's fine. Feelings, I don't know. People have feelings, that's fine. <laughs>
1: Definitely less is more sometimes when it comes to like telling a, to drawing a really good comic because if you have too much visual elements going on, it can distract the reader on what they need to focus on. But I always felt the focus was very clear in my love story, which I think is one of the reasons why it's such an engaging read in a way that it is better than the anime. In that the focus is so clear and that the pace that the reader can go on is so controlled and p- deliberate in a way that like leaves them satisfied with every chapter.
2: Yeah, I mean, they talked before about, like, feelings, minds, hearts, or whatever the line was, being invisible, and but being the most important things, and I'm like, this manga knows when to use, like, most spreads between Yamato and Takeo, I feel, when they have a big dramatic moment are just the two of them, like, looking at each other with text dialogue, and I'm like, yeah, it knows what's up, it knows what it's doing, (laughs) it knows that it is depicting the feelings and the minds and the souls or whatever via just having them in a space where nothing else exists and it's only the two of them looking at each other, feeling each other out. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh,
2: we're going to have our manga fight.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I mean, before we get into that, there are a few... I think we've a uh, lot of the series on many levels for a lot of things. Uh, I do want to mention a few minor criticisms I'd make I might have of it and they're really only a small amount uh one while I this, the characters themselves are very really chaste there were times particularly towards the beginning of the series where I was worried that Takio might be sexualized a little bit in odd ways, uh, mainly the, when Takio is working at like the bro, uh, masculine like bro bar, yeah, uh, <laughs> the, the club, and he's wearing these really tight shirts, the shorts, and like and, and the, booty, the booty shorts, yeah, yeah booty the- shorts. <laughs> <laughs> and to me, and so you know, it's funny, but also Takio is a high schooler, and he seems like he's being hit on by adults. And to me, that made me a little worried. So I I think that was a little was a little questionable, even though ultimately it was ha- pretty harmless and innocent. Yeah. And then uh, I get the there's a, my only other red flag I had while in the series was the character of Ichinose. For he's probably the character I I like pretty much all the characters in my love story, but Ichinose is probably the one that I really have problems with and really dislike. Because, for one thing, Ichinose's personality is pretty terrible. Like, he's this egocentric, self-absorbed, rude asshole who's, like, really thinks so highly of himself and, like, puts down other people. And, like, his entire staff really doesn't like him because he kind of is so condescending towards them. And he, like, tells Rinko that, oh, the you, way you say welcome is weird. And don't embarrass our shop. We have a reputation to cold. Like, he really puts her down for no reason at all. So, that's bad enough. But also, he w- wants to date Rinko. And he's a 21-year-old dude who wants to <laughs> date a high schooler seven years younger than him. And I'm like, this age gap is no stranger to, like, manga and stuff. But, like, this, no. I, I don't like like him even being... Uh, presented as a potential love rival or someone who could win over Yamato's affections and I think it's very uncomfortable like the situation he places Yamato in and that he has these ulterior motives and he pretty much forces her to spend time with him instead of Takio to help him bake this cake for the competition so he's very manipulative in that way and also again He's very judgmental of Takio. He's just a pretty bad person all around. And ultimately, he does come around to Tokyo and, like, have great respect for him. And he's a funny character in some other ways. But just, like, there's so many aspects to his character that I just really didn't like. So, I was pretty disappointed with the anime version that that's where the anime ended. But, and I'm glad there's more story after the manga. Though, at the same time... The Itchy Nosey arc is like the second longest arc in the series, besides the final arc, because it's five chapters long and basically is two volumes. Uh, it's like at the end of volume eight and goes through the beginning of volume 10. So it's uh, it's one of the longer stories, which is a little unfortunate. Mm hmm. Yeah, well, that, I mean the core message of it in Takio like having to deal with a rival for Yamato's affections, and then you know learning to have trust in and how Yamato feels for him and, like having that self having that self affirmation you know that that's, that's good stuff. The Takio end of it is good. Character of Ichinose not so good. Uh, I do like his his quirk of like how his tech how his inner thoughts are expressed through these big bold text yeah. uh, that appears on panels and like that expressing what he really thinks and like it's just his inner thoughts and no one else can you know understand what he's really thinking except for Takio who apparently can read and understand what he's thinking which I think is pretty hilarious
2: because they both love Yamato I don't know <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah no Ichinose was also annoying to me. I mean, admittedly, all the side characters felt like a little weak to me. I don't know. Because the core three are so strong, and just no nobody else can reach that hype level for me in this this manga.
0: I kind of agree for the most part, I think. Yeah.
1: the series really is about the core three, though I do like a lot of the side characters when they show up in the story. Are there are a few that, you know, I would have liked to see more of. I would have liked, like... uh Talk to follow up to, a, to the Saijo arc where does help Saijo you know with getting together with another person like the end of that arc kind of alludes to like Takio promises you know if you never need my help and, oh, yeah. and fall in love again I'll be there for you you know I would have liked to see that I would have liked to see maybe more of a mommy kind of grow into uh, someone who was like more socially capable and had more of a social circle uh, I kind of wish that Yamacho had like her own Tsunikawa in a way like a really close friend because her friend circle like she has a lot of friends but I don't feel like she's really close with any of them in the same way that Taki is with Tsunikawa.
2: Yeah and that's why I guess things fall apart for her in S- Spain too is like I don't know is she talking to those people I, I guess I don't know <laughs> um <laughs>
0: I think just in terms of the side characters like I, I think are probably the most interesting to me are one, Takeo's mom, and then two, I, I think I thought I was a pretty interesting character.
1: Yeah, and I is the only character who has like more arcs than just one. Like she has like follow up arts to her story. And that's pretty interesting because like the last of those follow-up arcs are just between the focus of that story is just the relationship between her and oda and it doesn't necessarily tie into the takio yamato relationship or takio sinoka relationship which is like the only story i think that doesn't tie into that in some way
0: And see that's interesting because i i do agree that ichinose i i think is really annoying but uh it's, for some reason i i thought i don't know i just i didn't i didn't really like oda that much i kind of
1: yeah i
0: kind of <laughs> thought he was obnoxious
1: ni neither. Oda is also a manipulative person, and uh, a person who is, like, interjecting himself into the situation, you know, trying to kind of control and force I to do stuff she doesn't want to do, so I don't really like her. And also, again, he does force himself on I, which is a really shitty thing. uh uh-huh. And then he uh, manipulates her again into thinking that he's going to leave forever when he's just going to India for, like, a week. So...
2: I was like, "I you can do better."
1: You know, I don't really appreciate Oda's character either. Uh, yeah, and I didn't like the implication that you know, I did ultimately fall for Oda after like she slapped him at the airport and stuff but she came back home with like kind of that content smi- ha- like content smile on her face. So I didn't I didn't necessarily think that they should got together because I I don't think Oda's a very good person.
0: Like, 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 I get it. You know, she has to get over Takio at some point, and I understand that. But it's, but it's also like, yeah, you, you could do a lot better.
1: Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, Oda is like my second least favorite character after Ichinose for sure. Even though, again, like Ichinose, he does have funny moments, but like what he does in the series is pretty questionable and unlikable.
2: Yeah, I would say actually the one of the red flags for me was I. I appreciate what this was trying to do, but it was the police cafe that the girls have at their school. And I'm like, I appreciate that you're not making a maid cafe, (laughs) I guess, (laughs) uh, because they go to an all-girls school and all these things. At the same time, I was like, "Mm, but the weird, like, sexual implications of this in an environment where you all are knowingly like, oh, my God, the boys come and, like, harass us. I was just kind of like, why? I don't, I didn't need this chapter. Like, I didn't need this,
1: this, whatever. <laughs> they think it was just an excuse to dress Tokyo up in a policeman's outfit.
2: <laughs> yeah. And I was like, nah, I, w- I was fine without that. Um. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So there are a few minor quibbles I think we all have with the series. I I think overall they don't detract from the core enjoyment of it and what makes it so good. But yeah, Yeah. still, there are some imperfect elements to it.
0: I was going to say there's way more good here than there is bad.
2: Yeah. Oh,
1: totally. Yeah. And again, I really appreciate a lot of the small jokes in the series. Uh, like yeah, from the like even at the beginning, like the gr- the groper shirt on it is the number sixty nine.
0: So, oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> like they, wow. I love
1: the way they sprinkle in those little visual gags like that.
0: So of course it is.
1: <laughs> but yeah, I feel like we pretty much covered all the bases we wanted to talk about. with my love story, except for one crucial central question we put it out on twitter for our listeners to send us some my love story related questions and topics and stuff and we only got one from our good friend allison who asked the question that is on every my love story fans mind who is the true best boy suna or takio and since we only have this one fan question, I think we should do something a little more interesting than just simply answering the question. I think we should have a.
0: I'll, I'll be sure to put it in the manga fight music here to accompany that
1: <laughs> yep we're gonna have a one round manga fight. Rules are of course normal manga fight rules uh, opening argument one minute three count arguments uh, one minute each closing argument one minute. So basically, every person has five minutes, and we alternate off one minute each for every per- for you, both of you guys.
0: I I think we should I think we should make the time thirty seconds.
1: Yeah, we can do thirty seconds. Sure.
0: Yeah, because I I feel like it might be I think it might be hard for the both of us to keep our uh to keep our arguments at at, at a minute. Yeah. <laughs>
1: sounds fair to me so i think the first question is before we even go into this manga fight is which one of you is going to argue for suna and which one of you is going to argue for takio
0: i'll argue for takio
2: yes i want to argue for suna
1: (laughs) all right all right so let's answer the question who is true best boy takio or suna and who wants to go first Actually, to make it more interesting, I am going to pick a cover of my love story. Okay. So, I am going to tell you what is on this cover, and you will have to tell me what volume number it is. Oh, no. Okay. Okay. Are you guys ready?
0: Yeah, I'm ready. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: All right. So, on this cover... Takio is dressed up like a prince, about to kiss Yamato, who is dressed up like a princess.
0: Volume eleven,
1: nine. Colton is right. It is the cover of Volume 11. Which one was
0: Volume 9 again?
1: Volume 9 was Takio dressed up in a karate uniform. Uh, There's fire in the background. It looks all badass.
0: And he's totally not Ryu from Street Fighter.
1: Oh, no, no. They they look this similar completely. Oh man, should wait. Should we just mention what our favorite volume covers for My Love Story are really quickly? Because we alluded to it before, but like this series has great covers.
0: Yeah, um, I I, I like a few of them. Just to mention them real quickly, uh, I I love the I think it's volume five where like he's in a tuxedo with uh, with the roses, and uh, I especially love the one I think it's volume twelve where uh cowboy.
1: Where,
0: yeah, it it, it looks yeah. like a yeah. I'm I'm sure like it, it looks like a it looks like a poster for like a really old Western movie like I I love that cover uh, the most I think.
1: Yeah, that's my favorite too. What about you, Ashley? I think Volume Eight,
2: where he's dancing, is kind of my favorite. <laughs> Takeo's dancing. That <laughs>
1: one's so good too. Just really appreciate it.
0: <laughs> yeah, a lot a lot of like the back half of the series, as far as the covers go, are probably like my favorites. Yeah,
1: I also really like Volume Seven's cover, which is like them and the. Like Takio is in like a kabuki kind of costume and makeup on, and looks like very like ukeoas Japanese art almost.
0: Yeah, that one's pretty good too.
1: Okay, now time for the manga fight. And Colton, since you guessed the cover right, you will go first with your opening argument about why Takio is best boy. And you will begin in five, four, three, two, one, go. <laughs>
0: Alright, so Takio is best boy for a lot of reasons, and I, I could spend the next 30 seconds listening them all off, and I think I will. Uh, one, <laughs> he has great faces, uh, I think he's very expressive, and I mean, I mean, how, how can you say no to a good face game? Uh, and, you know, just to list a few other reasons, he's he's always helpful of others, uh, he always puts others before himself, uh... uh Actually, uh, I mean, if I had to say so, I think he's personally more handsome than Sunakawa. I mean, I don't know if that's a hot Ooh. take. but uh, <laughs> um, And yeah. Time! Okay. Ashley! There we go. Your opening argument.
2: Okay. Suna is the best friend you will ever have and that you need in your life, first of all. <laughs> uh... He is very emotionally supportive. Perhaps he cannot beat up things like Takio can, <laughs> but he—he's uh, going he's gonna to look out for you in all the emotional ways that I think Takio is a little too dense to uh, pick up on a lot of the time. Uh, I will admit that this is hard because I actually think that Takio and Suno work like are perfect for each other. Like they need each other to make each other stronger. But you know, I'm just going to throw that out
1: there. <laughs> um, be nice, right here. Um, All right, time. Yeah.
0: Colton, come to argument. Um, I I do agree that Takio is dense. Uh this is very true. Um but uh Takio, you know, I I think we see that throughout the series, you know, he he obviously uh he he tries to make up for that by trying to be aware of other people's feelings and just aware of his surroundings in general and that uh you know, if he makes a mistake, he will more than likely make up for it. Um, and just a general, like, Sunakawa. Time! Ashley, counter-argument.
2: Okay, so Takio only learns those things because he has observed Sunakawa doing them for him. <laughs> uh, and Sunakawa is definitely way more attractive, first of all. Uh, <laughs> conventionally <laughs> attractive. <laughs> and, um... Yeah, just Suna is also, like, anything that Takeo is learning is kind of from Suna, (laughs) to be honest, (laughs) like, I don't know. It's just like, Suna's been his boy, and Suna has taught him how to be, like, a kind person to use his masculinity in, like, these ways. And, like, his mom has done that too, but, like, I really think observing Suna has done a lot for whatever Takeo is learning. Alright,
1: All right.
0: time. Ta- Colton. Counter argument. It feels it feels like Ashley's getting more time than me, but I'll let that slide. Um <laughs> I'm on time.gov, uh, g- going through 30 seconds,
1: so I'm letting both of if both of you are in the middle of a sentence, I'm letting you finish that sentence
0: until you're done. That's fair. Uh but anyway, on to my time. Uh so I, I do agree that Takio does learn a lot from Sunakawa, uh, but I also think that uh, the opposite is very much true, which uh, Sunakawa uh, also learns from Takeo, too, in that, you know, he sort of learns to kind of be more expressive about his feelings as well and to just to be more open with Takeo, um and whatnot. Um, and so I think, like I said, the, the opposite is true. Uh, it it the, the shoes on the underfoot, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Like, it's it's also true of Sunakawa that he also learns from Takeo. All right. Time. Ashley, counter-argument.
2: Okay, but Sunakawa only learns how to deal with Takeo. I think Takeo learns lessons from Sunakawa that apply to everybody. Whereas Sunakawa is like, uh, maybe you just shouldn't trust me as much, Takeo. Like, I'm not a perfect person, but he actually kind of maybe is a perfect person, <laughs> like <laughs> with like <laughs> like with normal human failings of like you know he has snapping points. That's fine, but like I don't know. He's not gonna. Get, he doesn't get suspended from school, like Takeo. He you know he he knows how to keep it together. Uh, and he, <laughs> and because he thinks more, he's able to be like, hey, Takio, you didn't need to go break into the school to get a printout for me. What's up? You, uh, we
1: have these All things right, called Ashley, I mean, Colton, your argument. Uh,
0: well, see, the thing with Takio is that, um, you know, yeah, he, he, he does, he does kind of think in the moment and, you know, sometimes it, it does get in trouble, but, uh, that's also... A quality that uh, I don't think is necessarily a bad thing. Like you know, uh, sure, it, sometimes it gets him in the trouble, but it also keeps him, it, it keeps him from overthinking about the situation too much. You know, Takio is a man of action, and I, I think uh, a lot of people would agree that that is a very admirable quality.
1: All right, time, Ashley, counterargument.
2: A man of action is an admirable quality, but I feel like it is one that we see much more. In manga generally, like all our shonen heroes are kind of meatheads who jump into stuff <laughs> and like swing some swords around and are like, I'm protecting people, blah, 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 blah. Uh so in that way he doesn't he doesn't feel special to me in the way that Suna's like quiet honesty, not using fists, but using like, like anytime that people are like, Thank you, Suna, for helping me. He's like, I didn't do it. Takeo did it. Like he he's just brutally honest and I think his, his more thoughtful way, like it doesn't prevent him from ever, from ever doing anything. He's just very thoughtful and more perceptive initially than Takeo is, so...
0: Time! Colton, closing argument. Uh, my closing argument is that, sure, uh, you know, uh, Takio may learn a lot from Tsunikawa, but I also think that, if, uh, you know, every once in a while, Tsunikawa can also learn a few things from Takeo as well, so uh also i still think takio is pretty handsome that's my closing argument
1: (laughs) (laughs) fair enough now ashley your closing argument listen takio's
2: got sweet sweet abs but suna's got that sweet sweet hair (laughs) sweet sweet sweet, (laughs) sweet slender slender body uh will his eyes will suck into your soul also he likes to read books who doesn't like a good bookish man my friends um Yeah, and again, he is the best friend that you need. He's always there for you because he's probably just reading a book and he wants you to bother him. So, like, do that. Uh, And he just wants to look out for you. And, like, he's fine. He doesn't even need you to be on his hype level about the books that he's reading. He's just like, (laughs) what's up? We can go climb a mountain. All right,
1: time. Okay, so that is the manga fight. Now, this was a really good back and forth, you guys. I felt that you both brought compelling arguments to the table. I think that when it came to distinguishing, like, what admiral qualities each of these characters had, or, like, why, how each character's relationship to each other worked, and, like, how, what lessons they teach each other, to me, the argument that stands out is that Ashley argued that while Takio gives Tsunikawa advice about how to talk to Takio, Tsunikawa uh, gives Takio advice of how to, uh, pres- Inter- interact with other pe- more a lot of different people and also deal with a lot of different situations. And so to me, that stood out as an argument as well as the argument that Takio is a more uh, traditional protagonist in terms of some of the qualities that we see in him to other protagonists of other manga, especially in Shonen manga, where Tsunekawa is a more unique character In terms of, like, a character we don't often see depicted in the manga. Alongside just other good arguments about, like, what makes him such a supportive best friend. And uh, someone to rely on and stuff like that. So, there is going to be a straw poll in the description of this episode for you, the listeners, to decide who is the true best boy. And we will reveal the results when we record our next podcast. But... In my opinion, as the manga fights arbiter, as the judge, I will say that the winner of this round is Ashley! I'm okay. Yes, with that. Suna correct
2: opinions right here. <laughs> Suna is now officially crowned the best boy.
0: I'm so I'm so sorry, takio <laughs>
2: Yeah, you should feel bad, you let takio down here. Uh.
0: Rub, rub it in, Ashley.
2: <laughs> it's all right. Takio is like, it's fine. I love Suna. Suna's best boy. He agrees. It's fine.
0: Yeah. yeah he'd be like, you know, I, I wanted him to win anyway. It's fine.
2: Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> exactly.
0: Oh.
1: I will say, in terms of the attractive points for each character, between abs and the hair, I'm definitely on Colton's side with the abs.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, abs are good, I will not lie.
0: <laughs> can I can I get extra points for not totally bailing out of this walk of life like I usually do?
1: <laughs> well, that's the... Fair minimum <laughs> that, it, that it takes to participate in a fight is to actually do it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> can, can, I get, can I get a participation ribbon?
1: Participation reward <laughs> sure. right here, yeah. Sure, you didn't give up. That's that's definitely progress. Yay! To becoming a, I win a something. Yay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, t- millennials. <laughs> <laughs> uh, totally earned. Um... But anyway, yeah, uh, this was this was definitely a discussion.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. We did it. <laughs> I'm glad we were finally able to talk about my love story after all this time, and I think we had a great conversation about what makes it so special.
0: Yeah, and I guess before we kind of head on out into the ending of the show... Uh... Well, we'll definitely leave links in the show notes, but, uh, you know, if you're interested in my reading my love story, uh, go support the the official release. Uh, you know, if you go to Viz's uh, website, uh, specifically their page for my love story, I'm sure you will find uh, tons of links in which where you can buy it physically or even buy it digitally. Like, it's, it's pretty readily available. So, you know, if you have any interest in reading my love story after listening to this, uh, go read it.
2: Yeah, uh, it's also available on my library. It had multiple copies of every volume, so check out the library. And I also really want to push Viz's digital releases because they are actually in the way that people are like, why is the digital one always like the same price as the physical one? And I'm like, okay, well that's because there's reasons for that. I won't go into them, but like Viz's actually aren't. Viz actually prices them at like six dollars. You could buy this whole series like real cheap. Mm-hmm. Go do that. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> Yeah, m- m- most of these releases are like what, like I want to say almost half the price of their um, of their dig- of their physical releases, roughly I-, I would say. But they they are still pretty cheap, like they're pretty affordable.
2: Yeah, and I guess like you're saving the environment, less paper, like do it, go for it.
0: <laughs> I mean, un- unless you love my love story so much that you want to own it, you know, physical is not a bad option. So
2: yeah, I mean, you do you.
0: I mean, either way, you're supporting the series, which is always a good thing. So,
2: yeah, there are multiple price levels to love the series, and you should do them instead of stealing scans. It's basically my only real thing here.
0: <laughs> um, well, we'll we'll leave links for where you can buy love my love story in the show notes for the episode. But uh, yeah, I guess I guess that's about it. Um, thanks for coming on, Ashley. This was really fun.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me. I I'm glad you read a shoujo manga. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I promise I'll read more. We're again 2019, the year Colton reads more shoujo manga.
2: <laughs> there we go. Yeah. The,
0: the, the year promise. where the year where I become less shown in trash by by the month. Um. <laughs> um. But yeah, Ashley, uh, do you want to talk about like where the good people who listening uh, can find you and about shoujo intel and whatnot?
2: Oh, yeah. Um. So I am AshMcD00 on Twitter. I don't know why you would want to follow me. My podcast is Shoujo Intel on Twitter. And basically, yeah, it's a podcast only talking about shoujo manga. I do eventually plan to maybe, there's also Jose manga, Uh, maybe make shounen ex- exceptions sometimes for like Nisekoi and uh, the more romantic ones, <laughs> basically. Um, and it's basically going through, like, we discussed the series today, uh, each episode is normally about a different series, although longer ones get broken up into shorter episodes, also because I don't want to read 30 volumes at a time, uh, for, like, <laughs> an episode that's a little much. Kimi ni toruke, I'm looking at you. Uh, yeah. And so it's been around for about a year, we've done probably, like, 15 series, and it's an ongoing thing. Wow. And it'll be great, we're gonna keep going through all the shoujos that'll take like 15 years. Don't don't quote me on that, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> that's oh the gosh. goal.
0: Uh, ho- hopefully we'll catch up to you at some point one day.
2: Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh boy. So that was our discussion of my love story. And uh, we really want to thank Ashley for coming on the show. Uh, we definitely enjoyed talking with her about the series and we'll definitely have to have her on, back on the show for uh for more shoujo series to come
1: yes i uh, really love talking with ashley and i think we definitely have a lot of opportunities this year to have her back on the show and i hope we can Yes,
0: yeah, so uh you know if we haven't said it already you know definitely go follow ashley on twitter as well as listen to uh, Shojo Tell. Um I actually listened to some of the uh, Princess Jellyfish episodes of the of the podcast uh after putting up the uh, Princess Jellyfish episode of our podcast and uh I really enjoyed the show. I I, I just thought it was a really interesting podcast. Uh so yeah, uh Shojo Tell definitely gets uh gets my recommendation if you're looking for uh you know a a good podcast about just Shoujo manga in general. So
1: yeah, two thumbs up. I'm glad that you checked out it after I mentioned it as my community shout out last week.
0: But uh, I, I think we'll just kind of wrap up from there. Uh, this episode's already getting kind of long. Uh, so, um, yeah, I guess, Lum, where can the good people find you?
1: You can find me at LumRyasha on Twitter and as Lum LumRyasha on a variety of places, including Amateur Revelation and List. And you can read my reviews on manga and movies on all-coming.com
0: all right and as for me you can find me on twitter i'm colton uh you can find me on twitter at sniper king 323 i also host a few other podcasts such as life lessons the gintama manga cast over at gintalifelessons.wordpress.com and as well as one podcast prevails at one podcast it's a show i record with my friend doctor over at the aspect anime podcast about detective conan case close whatever people want to call it so definitely go check those out and as for the podcast and all comic, uh, you can find every episode of manga Mavericks at all dash comic.com. It's where we post every episode. First. You can also follow us on facebook.com slash comic or on twitter.com slash all comic underscore. Uh, but if you want to follow manga Mavericks specifically, you want to follow manga Mavericks on Twitter at manga underscore Mavericks, as well as manga Mavericks. for all the latest updates on the podcast, Subscribe to our YouTube channel as well over at youtube.com slash manga mavericks, uh where we post different excerpts of the podcast, such as news and different reviews and whatnot, uh and even some, some exclusive content every once in a while. Uh but if you wanna email us anything, uh what do you think about my love story and whatnot? Uh what are some shojo manga that you want us to read on the podcast? You know, send us send us your recommendations, whatever you're reading, your thoughts on manga, the podcast in general over at manga mavericks at gmail.com and we will read them on the show uh but the most important thing guys is that you subscribe rate and review us on apple podcast or itunes whatever we call it that really helps the visibility of our show uh so please go do that if you so wish or if you have the time and uh i think that is gonna do it for the show this has been episode 78 of the podcast and we will see you guys next time for episode 79 bye guys Sayonara. Yes